0: Reach for the sky, boy! Wrestling
1: Geeks Alliance
0: Hello everyone out there!
2: This is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance Uh, We got a lot of things to answer for you guys. Has Jey Uso quit the wrestling industry who peed in carrying crosses Cheerios or whoever that he peed him off. And should he have let Scarlett do it in the first place? And also why the fuck is a woman's champion in a W having to go through a tournament while the person she beat is already a part of the four way at the pay-per-view. We have a lot of this and more. On today's Wrestling Geeks Alliance, but I could not do this show without my co-host, Christopher, brother Ray Patton. Chris, I promise this is the only shot I'm taking, but this is a shot of whiskey
3: for you. How are you doing, sir? Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'd like the tap on the table. It's a proper gentleman right there. uh I'm doing great, man. Did you, did you, did you check hurts. out? Did you check out that Jake Paul fight? <laughs> did you see that? Have you heard about this?
2: I, I saw a nice video of, of Jake definitely hitting fucking uh, Nate Diaz in the back of the head. Um, I don't know how that's legal, but I I don't know, man. To me, like I've always said, the Diaz brothers to um, MMA is very much like the Briscoes were, at least because of Jay's passing, to uh, professional wrestling. So. Uh, not the Paul brothers, but Jake um, somehow knocked him out.
3: I guess. Uh, yeah, it finished by like uh like uh, God, what do you call it? Points or whatever. But like, yeah, Jake had him in the first round, and then um, I don't know. It was really weird watching Nate Diaz like fight because he would like uh when they, he would go to do like a grab like you normally do in boxing, he would hook him in a guillotine, and you could be like. You could tell he would—he could just put the guy to sleep, you know. It's so weird watching MMA fighters versus boxing because it's just such a different skill set. Also, if Jake Paul is just looking for a boxer out there that's, you know, looking for something to do, Giante Wilder is out here. <laughs> you, you could fight him. <laughs>
2: I mean, uh, who else called him out? did Tyson call him out? Not—not not Tyson Fury, but
3: Mike Tyson. Someone um, else called someone else called Tyson out recently and I'm just like oh no it was Fedor uh Fedor yeah, really, Emiliano one of the greatest
2: MMA fighters that unfortunately was too old once he got to UFC actually I don't even know if he got to UFC I think that he steered clear for some reason and went to Strike Force had a couple wins and then was exposed but he literally at one point had the greatest record of all time but in MMA and he called out Mike Tyson So, if he is the greatest um, MMA fighter, arguably, or in the top five for 2000s, Mike Tyson is easily probably number one in the 80s and most of the 90s uh, at boxing, specifically. And even though he's older, I I, I don't know. That's a very interesting concept. My friend Alex uh, analyzed it, and it's like, boxing really, unfortunately, has gone to celebrity boxing, besides the... um, match a week ago for the light heavyweight title uh i don't know if it was light heavyweight title but one of the the uh you know um the gentleman that that knocked out sphinx and i i can't remember his name that was a great boxing match but unfortunately people don't care about that compared to these uh these these boxing matches i mean i'll take that blame myself because i don't even remember the fighter that beat sphinx to you know uh collectively put all the uh wbc Light heavyweight titles in
3: order. I, I can't remember the name of the guy that beat Anthony Joshua for the title and then lost it back, but his entire thing of not fighting Tyson Fury was like, I should get 50% of the pocket, like of what was paid in. It's like, in what world? Like, in what world should you get? I'm not trying to be mean to the guy, but like, Tyson Fury is the draw, right? Um, Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure if Deontay Wilder takes that fight, he's not getting fifty.
4: It's not going to be fifty. No. Um. Yeah. So, so, so like if like so
3: like if Deontay Wilder takes the fight, he's not getting fifty-fifty, right? He's going to be like half the draw. Yeah. You know, like thirty percent. So these guys out here, like, obviously, you think you can't beat him, because like if you beat him you're the you're the new draw. It's so weird. We talked about this before, but like the way heavyweight boxing is right now and there's a major focal point on it because of Tyson Fury and how dominant he has been. Um I mean, he has pretty much destroyed everyone whose name is not Deontay Wilder. Uh, so it, it, it's wild to watch these people complain about the fact that he's not going to give them as much money as they think they deserve to go in the ring and get destroyed by him. Uh, Tyson Fury, if you want to give me like $2 million, dude, I can go in there and take one knockout. I think I'll be all right. Well, I, mean, I
2: know that recently he said that he plans on having some big fights this year, um uh, and next year, but we need to have that happen sometimes fucking sooner than later. Because I feel like celebrity boxing is overtaking actual boxing, Chris. And that, that to me is a little bit of an issue.
3: Yeah, I, w- I want the wilder Jake Paul, or not the, not
4: the wilder Jake Paul.
3: I want the Lesnar Jake Paul fight. Because, yeah. like, all, the, all the people that think. Jake Paul has picked to box has been, even if they were MMA fighters, have been smaller than he is. Because Jake Paul is, like, kind of a large guy. So yep. like Nate Diaz is is way smaller than Jake Paul. Yeah. You know, yep. Go in there against Brock Lesnar and see what happens. I bet I bet the result will be different because like size makes a lot of difference, especially reach and boxing. Um Yeah. It, it's it's weird. You're you're boxing people whose arts aren't boxing. And uh Nate Diaz kind of made fun of that by like, like I said, putting him in guillotine chokes and stuff and like Making, He's like if I could shoot on this guy He'd be so done Kind of comments But he also got rocked in the first round And almost knocked out Or knocked down And almost not completely out But it's Nate Diaz Who there's nothing up there anyways At this point He's just crazy So It's kind of a hard uh, It was a weird fight I don't know I'm done with celebrity boxing Give us another Fury Wilder match Because that was a good 12 round actual fight Give me a 12-round actual fight.
2: Yeah, um, and uh that's not happening because Logan Paul's taking some time off in WWE to fight Bellator fighter uh Dylan Donis in the ring. So uh we're getting uh Logan instead of Jake this time. Once again, another formidable, formidable uh MMA fighter uh doing boxing. So uh, I'm sure. I understand why people think a lot of this is a work. Um, I think it's more strategy, like you said, where they target MMA fighters um, who can't go on to do certain things that would destroy a person and lose mainly because of strikes. Then again, even though he lost, this is the same kid who went with Mayweather all the way to the end and got some strikes on him, even though Mayweather is obviously... You know, a bit, I guess, out of his prime, or maybe it was worked. I don't fucking know anymore. It's hard to be a wrestling fan with some of these celebrity boxing matches, Chris.
3: Yeah, I mean, Mayweather drags a good fight out of everybody. He did it with Conor McGregor to the point where he knocked Conor McGregor out, held him up until they finished the round. Like, Conor, it, like Floyd wants to put on a good show. He's getting paid like $120, 140000000 million a fight. It's ridiculous. Uh, and then when they went back, like him and Connor are toasting and shit in the plane. Like, yeah, it's a little bit of a work, especially with these high profile matches. The, the only match that's not a work is wilder versus fury. Cause those guys try to punch each other's heads off. <laughs> so, um, it gets even weirder with this endeavor stuff. So like the, uh, the fight you're talking about is that under the endeavor L- umbrella.
4: Cause if you're WWE, why would you, like, you just have Logan Paul win, right? Yeah.
3: WWE's hot right now. It's actually doing better in a lot of places than, I mean, obviously they don't have pay-per-view buys, but it's doing higher ratings than UFC. Yeah. So you just, you, you you would just assume either the guy's going to throw the fight or Logan Paul's going to choke this dude, out, like, or, or they're putting him against a scrub, basically. Uh, so it gets weird, and we kind of talked about this when uh, WWE first bought, well, or got bought, I should say, and merged into UFC. It's like, well, it's always kind of been a work, but now it's very open that it's a work, right? And boxing is, all, like, also, boxing fans out there, get mad at me if you want, like, you you do get the the some sometimes you do get the great fights like the the wilder versus fury fights or whatever but there is a lot of just like we know this guy is going to demolish this dude and we need to pop a rating so well
2: that's the weird thing about boxing is i was saying it earlier and i was pronouncing the champion or the ex-champion's name wrong but you know i talked to (laughs) working with different warehouses variously and being a uh, shipping person Talked to other personnel, and they told me to watch the uh, Errol Spence, not Spinks, sorry about that, junior match. He is, or he was, I should say, the champion in the WBC, the WBA, and the IBF. Um, So this was basically to unify everything with someone that already won in a specific weight class, higher than welterweight, but went down to go against uh, Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford. And, uh, yeah, he fucking beat him, and no one saw that happening um, because of Spence's record. I think that he was undefeated, uh, but unfortunately, someone just dropped weight, went down to welterweight, and that was a big match, probably the biggest match outside of the heavyweight division on what's going on with, like you said, Tyson Fury, uh, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, and so many others trying to find out who's the... I mean it's Tyson Fury, sorry. Anthony Joshua is trying to avoid him at all possibilities. Even if Deontay Wilder builds himself to get back up, he's already lost. So, outside of heavyweight, I would say this is the biggest boxing match of real boxing lately. I don't know if you got a chance to watch this, but it was a it was a pretty good match.
3: Yeah, I know I know people are tired of the Fury versus Wilder feud. But go back and watch that last match. Jesus Christ, were twelve rounds of just like it was like a rocky montage of how hard these guys were hitting each other. And also, it could be debated there was a very, 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 very slow count on Tyson Fury <laughs> in like the fourth or fifth yep. round. So, uh, yeah, I mean that's the fight I want to see. So, I mean Anthony Josh Joshua is just going to get wrecked by Tyson Fury. Because that defensive boxing against Tyson Fury, he's got heavy hands. It's just not going to work. Like, uh, the the thing about – the thing that makes the fight interesting is the fact that, like, you know, he can get put down at any time by Wilder. Like, it only takes one shot, which – somehow Tyson yep. Fury has survived. It's like getting hit with a sack of bricks when Tyson Fury hits you. I I don't know how Tyson Fury is still alive after taking some of the hits. And not that Fury's like not laying in wood on, you know, Wilder's taking big shots too. I mean, he's knocked, you know, he's knocked Wilder down and stuff. But at the same time like it it, it is like they have shown how hard while they're hits. I don't know how Tyson Fury is still the same person after that last fight because, Jesus. You no, know, I mean, Tyson reminds me a
2: lot of uh, Muhammad Ali um, for taking punishment in order to break down the other person, figure out their strategy, and come back, and, you know, and that's the thing. It's like it involves you being able to take hits from someone that has dynamite in his hands, like Wilder, um, to like a Tyson, Mike Tyson level concept. Uh, with Anthony Joshua, if I'm going to keep on comparing other people, he's much like a Lennox Lewis. He really reminds me of him, and it's not because, just because he's British, um, just his style and everything. I think he'll get destroyed by either one of those guys, but he has one of the titles – That needs to be unified soon, and Tyson has all the other ones. So it's – I mean, Anthony already lost the title to someone, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, the larger set um, uh, Latinx member that fought him, that wants, like, equal pay to go against Wilder, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of ridiculous because he lost his next match, I believe, to Anthony to get the title back. So. Um I don't know. The heavyweight divisions crazy right now. We don't have the any, any um amazing, you know, Eastern European uh fighters like we used to with the brothers. So it will be uh interesting going forward, but at least the welterweight division has uh, you know, had some excitement and whether or not people like it, we have some celebrity boxing for the future and still can't believe that All the shit talk, and I love Nate Diaz. Yeah, he could have ended him in an MMA match, but he chose to go against Jake Paul in a boxing match and lost. So.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's also smart on boxing, though, because the idea is you're eventually going to build hatred for people that aren't Jake Paul fans against Jake Paul, and then the fans that are Jake Paul fans will tune in to get both. But uh, he's got to get knocked out by somebody. Right, like what's what's Oscar De La doing? I feel like Oscar De La could knock out. I know he's like 175 years old, but I feel like he could knock out Jake Paul. Let's get Manny Pacquiao back. Um, Dude, Pac Pacquiao would wreck him. Yeah, he's Pacquiao a, was. He's a politician now. He doesn't have time for these trivial boxing things.
2: <laughs> and we also fucking Mayweather lose. Not no no he didn't lose, but he he definitely. I go the distance with fucking Logan Paul, so I don't really want to see him against Jake Paul,
0: honestly.
3: Yeah, I mean Mayweather is just gonna. It, it was a good thing what you said. The comparison with Anthony Joshua, it'd be the same th- fight with Tyson Fury. Like he's the only way he's gonna beat him is defensively box, and that is the most boring fight you can ever watch. Like yeah. point. Boxing, like Olympic boxing, that is so boring. It like, would be like,
2: even though I love <laughs> GSP, when GSP went against Tom Hardy for the belt uh, in MMA, and it was just basically grappling the whole entire time. Um, but that's that's the different uh, levels of uh, boxing. One more celebrity match that we got, and we have locations and everything. Like, it's going to be on the island and all this craziness. Um <laughs> Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, is happening, Chris. All money is going apparently to charity. Um, But one camp, I think I saw a picture, and I could be wrong, with Elon Musk training with Tyson, while it looked like GSP was training with Mark Zuckerberg. Um, I don't know if this is the MMA match. Obviously, Zuck, even though I think he's a... Well, something that rhymes with Zuck and begins with a C. Um, He's very gifted in martial arts, at least from what he says, so I got to believe him. Um, Elon doesn't have that same, but he's bigger. Uh, I don't really want to watch this, but it's also going to be like Crash TV that I feel like uh, the inner Vince Russo will come in <laughs> yes. and I'll have I to. I was going
3: to say, so book it?
2: <laughs> Hey, bro, this is what you have happened, bro. You got Elon going down in the first round, bro. He gets back up, bro.
3: No, fuck that. You gotta, Give, you gotta climb up the pole to grab the social media briefcase, bro. I want, I want a hat. Um, it
2: doesn't have to be red with a uh, white lettering, but I want make wrestling better again. And then on the
3: back it says without Russo. So. <laughs> oi yeah. I, I so we, we should probably talk about this after we get through, get through.
2: Did, did we talk about it last week? Because I just want to say that Vince Russo is so full of shit that that's why his eyes were brown.
3: I don't think we really got into it last week because I, I hadn't seen it, and also well, we have Marty. Awesome. Vin- so who, let, 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 who is let's more who is more full of shit, Marty Jannetty or Vince Russo? Oh I feel my like- god. I feel like Vince Russo is more full of shit because he believes it, and Marty Jannetty is spinning a web of lies, which is a different version of full of shit. <laughs> Dude, Marty... Like, and this is the the end for the season of Dark Side of the
2: Ring, which, I mean, has been called out a bit by being a little bit... I don't know. They, they definitely get more and more and more into salaciousness, um, but specifically with those episodes. Like, you can say what you want about Dave Meltzer or even Eric Bishop to an extent, but the level of ridiculousness that builds up fucking Vince Russo as a human being, and I hate hearing him right away say he hates professional wrestling since he's still banking off of the fucking industry with his podcast. Uh, The guy's a piece of shit. Um... He contributed to some of the dumbest shit during the Attitude Era. Even if he was like, if he was like, let's do the beer truck, bro. Okay. He also had meat. He also had fucking all these terrible concepts. And when he left, they still strived with the same fucking formulas they already had in place with Stone Cold, with The Rock. After he fucking left, then he goes to WCW and, like many, destroys it for everyone. Then we get to this fucking thing. Hulk 2 man. So that, you know, we all knew it, obviously, but that was all supposed to be there for a future angle, with Hulking pissed off at Russo for letting like Jeff Jarrett just take the pin. Uh I'm gonna answer Hulk Hogan, who honestly is an egomaniac. Um, even if you don't want to agree with Russo, it's it even though it's Hulk Hogan, it's still like Dude, go fuck yourself. Just drop the... Whatever. But Booker T then beats Jeff Jarrett after Russo berates Hulk Hogan uh, on air and gets the fucking company sued, who, honestly, we can all blame stuff on Time Warner, but uh, look at the product and how it was when they took over, and look how Vince Russo sent so much bullshit their way. Uh, yeah. Single-handedly. I know that Eric had contributed, but really... Was Vince Russo the fucking
3: stake in the coffin of WCW? Nah, not the stake in the coffin, but definitely a catalyst for it. I mean, like if you're looking at it financially uh, as a company that you want to already get rid of if you're Time Warner, because they didn't want to have wrestling on the product to begin with, right? you're already in kind of a weird spot. And then he does that and he gets sued by Hogan for... I think they settled out of court. Hogan, it was like in the million just two million dollar range. And they also had like almost 300 people on that roster. And this is the same problem AEW is doing. Like, stop signing dudes if you're not going to use them. I guess it's different because they're independently owned. So, I mean, they can do whatever they want with their money, but like, there was like you know, Hacksaw Jib Duggan was still under contract when WWE went out of business. It's like that kind of stuff. It's like, how do you justify Hacksaw for like two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year? And I'm not taking anything away from Hacksaw, but it's nineteen ninety nine. You know, like two thousand, two thousand one. Um, man, what a weird, weird, weird thing. And I actually, I lean more towards the melter side is like whose story you're going to believe they're both pathological liars about what was going on at the time and I, I kind of lean on that honestly because uh, they've both changed their stories of what was happening what was like supposed to happen in that finish um, th- the thing I would really want to hear because we didn't get a recent interview of would be like Hogan like it would be, like if Hogan just straight came out and says, like, nah, I wasn't gonna do that. I said I would do this or whatever, and then they just book this fucked up thing. That that's the one we actually need to hear is the Hogan side of story, because like they all make Hogan, even though Hogan's not in the back like Bischoff tries to twist it as like Hogan said he wasn't gonna do it, and we agreed upon it. He tries to make Hogan like a hero character, and Russo buries him. So what is the in-between? Because I feel like Hogan probably would have just dropped the belt, you know, at this point, because he's headed out in like a year anyways. And he's he's broken down. NW sucks. The company's in the toilet. Uh, Maybe Hogan was just like, yo, give me a million dollars. I'll drop the belt. And then they got sued for like two, three million. (laughs) I don't know. Here's an idea, don't put your fucking belt on Hogan for, you know, almost 7 years.
4: Yeah,
2: he was definitely the attraction, so he and I mean it all goes back to that stupid concept of uh, you know, um their creative booking over there for allowing the stars to be in control of it uh when it comes down to certain things and I mean, that was all set up by Bischoff, so I don't know. Very weird concept, very weird uh, episode. Uh, Like I said, fuck with Vince Russo, uh, mainly. That's that's really what I have to say. Mainly because, like I said, he keeps on taking shots at the industry that he still makes money off of. And people bitch about Jim Cornette doing a similar thing, but Jim Cornette flourished two different organizations that produce so many stars. Uh, And also as a manager, uh, going back to the 70s, of people like, I don't know, uh, Adrian Street, to the Midnight Express, and Ford uh, going, so, you know, Vince just pisses me off because it seems he didn't even give a shit, he was trying to become like a television mogul, Uh, doesn't matter the industry, so... Yeah, that's all I had to say about that. Do you want to talk about uh Marty though? That's some
3: crazy I mean, shit. I mean fucking Vince Russo gave us Brawl for All in twenty like two thousand one WCW.
4: That's all and you also Chappie
3: Chappie 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 Chappie. Chappie. and everything you've ever thought about LOL, TNA, he was involved in. I just watched a clip last night. Because uh, we have this Texas Chainsaw Massacre deathmatch, and I was trying to find the clip of AJ Styles chasing around Disco Inferno with a chainsaw, which I did find. This does exist on NWATA. What? Yes. Uh, do you know what happens when AJ chases him with a chainsaw?
2: Uh, no, I, I have no idea. Did he finally catch up to Glenn and we're dealing with a fucking robot right now?
3: No, they have a normal match, interference... AJ loses. Jesus. Wait, wait. AJ lost the fucking disco? Yes. AJ Fuck. shows up in a locker room of disco's goons with a chainsaw, threatens to kill all of them with a chainsaw, agrees to a singles match, puts the chainsaw down, and has like a normal singles match, and everyone interferes, and AJ loses.
2: Look, I think Glenn is actually a really good worker, has always been. I don't think that's ever been his problem, but this really pissed me off with the level of ego he has still to this day. If he beat AJ Styles when AJ came at it with all of him and his fucking Guido goons, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, look, I'm Italian, so I can say that, um, and uh, he beat AJ Styles? No, fuck that.
4: That's stupid.
3: Yeah, it was uh. So this was a weird time period where you know Jeff Jarrett was on his own, and Russo was part of this crew because it was before they got signed to Spike. So we're still talking about weekly pay-per-views. I will send you the clip. It is literally AJ Styles busting into a locker room with like five, six people with a chainsaw and like Gilbert Gilberti. Let's have a match and like swinging the chainsaw at people, and then they just have a normal ass match, and you're like fuck (laughs) did he have those blades like a fucking haunted house no it's it's literally he kicks in like he he uh young bucks the door uh (laughs) runs into the room gets hit with (laughs) no i'm kidding i was gonna make a still joke right (laughs) it's like here's aj (laughs) yeah so he pops in with a chainsaw and he's please don't cut us and then they set up a singles match and AJ apparently is the dumbest babyface of all time after almost killing all these people that Chainsaw that he's like, yes, I will totally agree to a normal singles match. And he loses, dude. <laughs> because LOL, TNA. And it's... it's uh, As soon as I saw Texas Chainsaw Death Massacre match, I was like, LOL, TNA. Please do not let... Like, if Russo is somewhere back there... Make sure he's shipped off on an island, and also don't let Jarrett do stuff. <laughs> no shit. It's, I mean, let Jared, let Jarrett wrestle, but like, don't let him be in charge of doing stuff. We need a casket match for Russo,
2: and then he loses by being a casket, and we forgot about
3: him. Anyways,
2: today uh, uh very uh, interesting individual. Oh my God, Chris, when you saw his leg like i almost threw up honestly
3: that's a guy that needs help he probably they should actually have started like a, a go fund me or something he needs surgery on that thing he has you could tell there's so much like just like water or fluid pressure against his ankle and stuff that's like really terrible that marty is in that situation not that marty is the best person of all time but like, if you enjoyed the rockers, maybe throw like 20 bucks to get his ankle fixed because, Jesus Christ, that w- it looked terrible.
2: I don't know. He went off the deep end more than fucking Ultimate Warrior it seems like at one point, just posting weird shit online. Also having to do with the murder that he may or may have not committed still, uh, based on people that know him. But here's the thing. Marty is unfortunately a pathological liar, so... You don't really know what he's talking about is real or not. Apparently he met Elvis. Apparently he was friends with Donald Trump. All these fucking stories. Um, But I will say one thing that should be noted is that regardless of what happened eventually between Sean and Marty, there's two things from that relationship people should realize. As much as Jose Lothario was you know, a a, uh, a teacher to Shawn. I think Marty, specifically for that style, was ahead of his time, um, very much like Eleni Papo and many other wrestlers of that, that era. And he probably helped Shawn as far as becoming who he was in the ring more so than most wrestlers. I'm sure it was working with people like Kurt Henning and and the Heart Foundation, so working with Brett as a tag team. But I think Marty helped him along the way. Um, but also, I love seeing that Sean, and I was so excited being a fan still at that point and seeing this. Sean, you know, uh, communicated with him, worked everything out. Marty still to this day considers Sean a friend, and and so that they communicate all the time, which if that's the case, I don't want WWE to be at fault for this because Marty fucked up so many damn times, but maybe they can throw him some help. Like you were saying, who knows? But either way, Shawn Michaels went out of his way to try to help mend their relationship. Um, He, he baptized him, you know, and then got him back on television. And I was so excited as a kid and didn't know where what the, what the fuck happened when Marty came back and he looked great right in the ring. And him and Sean had a tag match. And I really think that Sean wanted to do something with Marty going forward. And then the next fucking week, he gets arrested for some stupid bullshit. Just like when I saw him pop up in WCW, I was like, this is a good counter to Sean for WCW. Because Sean's gone and this is his partner and he was having awesome matches. And then like two weeks later, he gets arrested for something that proceeds to get him fucking, you know, kicked out of WCW. It's like, unfortunately, he got in his way so much, Chris, that he kind of fucked up his own career. And I I really, I unfortunately want to say that it's no one's fault
3: besides Marty. I mean, he just kind of get fucked on the whole tag team situation and what they were going to do with it. Alex
4: Snow over.
2: was the best person in this documentary, by the way, being honest about it.
3: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, there's parts in which Marty is very honest. Uh, the, I think the Sean parts are very honest. Like, he was my brother. We, we fought each other. And then he invited me to become a, a, a born-again Christian. I did that. And then we have this great match and they actually show what Marty's talking about. He was like, we were so in sync when we went over the top rope, we landed together. Like it's, it's, it's kind of incredible watching those two work together, especially in the tag segments that they show. But, uh, you know, Marty goes home, gets a domestic dispute case. He's gone from WWE. If you're Vince man, like even as crazy as Vince is and, and whatever else was going on during that time period. This is also the like around the same time period that Rob Van Dam won the title and got fired for weed. Uh so they must have been under a lot of heavy scrutiny from ad representation and all that jazz. Who the hell knows? Um man, it's just, it's like it's it's really, really sad. Uh, to, an, to see an Atlanta legend, a Columbus Georgia legend, I guess I should say, Marty Janetti, like, suffer through the career path he, he chose. Now, that being said, like, he wasn't on WCW a lot, but he was one of those people that were in that 330-people roster where he was just getting paid to do, like, a match every, like, four months. So that probably didn't help. Um I like every story about Shawn Michaels is he he just got his ass beat by somebody. You would figure like Shawn Michaels would go, like, get some like jujitsu training or something at some point, because <laughs> like the story is like uh, the story they tell in the, the the series is that he knocks Jannetty out of a fucking window. Janetti comes back through the window and beats his ass. And then Sean can't make television for two days, which I would debate. I, w- I would be curious to see what Sean actually has to say about that interaction. I feel like it's really easy to pick on Sean because he got beat up by like, you know, he got jumped. Well, not really jumped because he's being an asshole. He, en- he enticed a fight with like four or five people. And ever since then, he's become like a walkover guy. And, uh, I don't know, Marty, Janetti, and Sean's about the same size. So I, I, I doubt that it was, uh, whatever the story is. And, and a lot of these stories are like, there's Marty's version of the story and there's people that are, were kinder around Marty. And the only person they have really there was like Pat Tanaka, who would have been hanging out with them at the time and kind of know what it really was. I mean, I, I'll Snow, trained underneath him and learn a lot from Marty I get that but he just heard those stories like third hand fourth hand whereas like in previous episodes with like Matt Bourne you're like oh no we yeah I definitely rode in the car with this guy he's fucking crazy you know what I mean so this one's like kind of more mystical and I think that just has a lot to do with the fact that Sean and Marty were so grouped together for so long And uh, Sean actually has, like, they they showed at the very end of the episode. He's like, Imagine spending seven years with someone, you're eventually going to have a fight. And he kind of just lays it out like that. He doesn't talk about what happens. He just says that. He's like, Seven years with someone, you're eventually going to have a fight. For seven years, we were the best tag team on the planet, which I disagree with because, like, the Steiner brothers were out there. (laughs) Fuck out. Fuck out (laughs) of here. WCW. Uh, but I I get what they're also Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express. But Brain I get what you saying. The Brainbusters, the, the British Bulldogs. Um, but yeah, I, I get what I get what Sean was saying. He's like, yeah, eventually you're gonna have an argument that leads to a fight or whatever. But like the the most truth that came from the episode was actually like his. I can only call her a waifu from. St. Louis, I guess. I, I know the negatory term to call her is a wrestling girlfriend that is one town is a rat.
4: But she's, she's a rat.
3: like she waifued this guy through a lot. <laughs> you know? At some point you're more than a rat if you you know, if a guy's almost dying of a drug overdose on your carpet and you save his life. I think you, you elevate from rat to maybe like hamster. I don't I don't know. I don't know how that works. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, and she 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 honestly seemed to be the best person like she didn't like Sean. She was like, fuck Sean. Basically. And she I looked get like that. She did look like a gremlin. And she can't help that because this is how she looks. I'm sure she was a very attractive lady back in the day. Uh but also Marty Gennetti can barely walk <laughs> and does not look like Marty Jeannetti so. You know, forty years ago, so give her a break. she's doing better than he is, <laughs> right You so, can
2: look at that eyeball that's forming in the middle of his leg she's a good chick. that's all I got to say because that thing creeped me out Thought it was yeah, very-
3: but I felt like she was the most honest because she was like always felt like Sean was egotistical, didn't necessarily like Marty, they would party too hard, they would argue, and they would settle down, and this one night it didn't settle down. Right. So she seemed like to be the most honest person. Like Al Snow was not dishonest. He's just, I feel like he's like a third party of that. Also, they totally lied about how long Al Snow has been in the wrestling business. They're like, Al Snow has been in the wrestling business since 1983. I was like, where? Like, where the fuck was he working in 1983? I mean, I get he's been around for a fucking long time. But the first mention I know of Al Snow is like 90, 91. That would be like when, like Calgary, and then headed into Smoky Mountain, then to WWE, and then working under a mask, and then to ECW, and then back to WWF. So I have no fucking idea what they're talking about with Al Snow being like the time period they give Al Snow. I have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Well, I mean,
2: just because you don't know if when he was a fucking rookie in the 80s doesn't mean it didn't happen. You know, I don't know it, but it it could have. You know, Diamond Dallas Page says that he's had a match in every decade so far. So since the 70s. But does anyone know his 80s run or his 70s
3: run? The The way that Snow put it is that he was working around the same time that Sean and Marty were working. Uh, which would it's impossible so
4: it's, right, it's, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna google this
0: just find out real quick
3: right, google okay. it up i I'm telling you there's no fucking way <laughs> uh, his debut was actually in 82,
2: March 13th 1982 Remember, Rey Mysterio's been going around since 89, but. Where at in 82? Probably nowhere. Probably it's around good. the territories and shit where you wouldn't
3: see him. He didn't get any type of fame until he was a jobber in the 90s. All right, I'm going to go Wikipedia this and say his debut is against Terry Falk <laughs> in Tulsa in 78. Regardless, this is about Mario Gennetti,
2: and let me just say. They didn't go into any heart pressing questions after they went off after fucking Ric Flair uh, about some of the statements he basically said, where he made it sound like he gave, you know, uh, might have dosed girls, and then he gloated about this, by the way, on different podcasts, you could find it. But, you know, dosed girls, got them back in the room, and then would throw them out in the hallway the next morning. Uh, didn't really take any accountability for a lot of stuff. Also, they didn't talk about when the Rockers won the titles, but since they didn't like, I think, the ending of the match because something got fucked up, they decided, since it was recorded, to denounce that. So there's a whole entire recording of them actually winning the titles, and WWE went back on that, so they never did. And then I just just find it fascinating later on he says so much stupid shit online politically driven before he even like for attention obviously announces that he killed someone uh that tried to feel him up when he was a kid like it's just the guy's got major issues i love marginetti he's obviously an innovator for modern style but uh He's got a lot of demons, man, and it it sucks, and I always wanted him to succeed because I was a fan of the Rockers, which is what made me love Shawn Michaels afterwards, but after him and Al Snow, they tried in WCW to do something, he fucked up, they tried later on WWE, which I think Shawn might have wanted them to get like a tag title, and the next week he fucks up and gets him out of that position, so... Marty's a very – this is the thing, though. I like this show. I like Dark Side of the Ring. But to an extent, it's like – I don't know. Isn't there, like, situations where it can be a little bit more uh, fucking happy at the end of the goddamn thing? Like, what are we doing next? Buzz Sawyer? So we can show that he's (laughs) fucking so many goddamn wrestlers? Or are we going to do whoever killed themselves? Later on, I don't know. I just find it kind of repetitive and also just kind of a black cloud over the industry of wrestling.
4: This would have been a great time to
3: get Kevin Sullivan back in and talk about hey, Marty, here's the finish. Go put this guy over. Because when he was in WCW, he was basically just putting other people over for like a long period of time or having like some of those Booker minds. Uh, you know, Pat Patterson, et cetera, uh, obviously, you know, R. P. but like getting, there was other bookers there at the time. that were helping put together these road agents, put together these matches. It would have been a good time to be like, even though like Janetti was like really, really sad about what happened and how shitty it was, he still went out there and did the job, which is like, if you look at his WCW career, that's exactly what he did. He went out there and he tried to have the best match he could have. Um, yep. and put the other guy over. And he got paid a lot for it and he didn't wrestle every day. Like that's the one th- that that's the reason people went to WCW versus WWE is like you don't have to work every day, right? Like Haxall was not working every single night in WW or WCW. So it it's just kind of a weird thing in general. And then we get into the whole death. Uh, death thing and we've talked about that on previous podcasts and this will be interesting to hear your new take on Marty Gennetti's uh, uh, I I am only saying hypothetically how he killed a man
2: yeah I I think he killed him and I think it was something from what he described and honestly in that type of situation I don't blame him and I'm actually I know it's kind of fucked up but I'm sorry, I hate pedophiles. If he did it, I think that it was warranted, honestly, for protection of yourself. And pretty badass for someone younger to be able to do that. Uh, People are going to be like, oh, he's okay with murder. Yes, I'm sorry. If you're fucking trying to sexually molest a child and the person gets the fucking upper hand and then kills you and fucking finds a way to bury your ass, good riddance. And I'm starting to think more so than beforehand because of what they spoke of hypothetically and then what many people said, no, 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 he definitely told me that, like that was something to happen. Um, I think that's a, unfortunately, what, what I would say, being someone who has bipolar disorder or mental disorder and has dealt with psychology, I think that that really fucked him up. And I think it really did happen, and that might have contributed, even though he did some heinous things by himself, to the person that he was, um, including not like trying to stick up for himself within the industry and try to like you know talk to people because like we, we I say what I say about Marty, but he's so goddamn influential to modern style. I think Sean and I think he would agree with this, like I said. You can say what you say about Jose Lothario and him being very inspired by uh, a gentleman, uh, Chris Adams. That's that's who we got the super kick from him and Marty. Um, But I think he learned a lot from Marty being his partner and also Brett being his opponent in tag matches to get because he naturally had the finesse. And I think that a lot of repetition with both those circumstances. Especially Marty made him into the superstar and the performer that influences wrestlers today. So I think Marty is important. I just um, I'm assuming, really, Chris, that that situation did happen and that unfortunately it kind of stayed with Marty throughout his career. It might have been not an excuse, but the reason of why he is who he is in a lot of ways.
3: Or it happened the opposite way, and Marty Janetti was the one selling weed. and actually, like murdered this guy and threw him in the lake.
4: And it sticks with you.
2: Or, or, or that, and we want to be
3: even darker. But yeah, I mean, that's
2: definitely possible. Based off of yeah, Marty,
3: you, you gotta twist it. You gotta your- twist it as a baby face, baby. <laughs> like when you when you work that life so hard that you. You're just that character, and then you per- you proceed to be that online, and have those conversations. It's, it makes it very hard to believe anything you say. Like they were talking about, you know, he was like, my account was hacked or whatever. He was talking about like like uh, getting a divorce to bang his daughter at one point on his face. Like Marty is just he's rock, dude, and and that's not a pun intended. The guy is just not. He's not completely there. And that's nope. like crazy to say about a WCW guy. Cause there's a lot of WCW guys. They're not completely there. <laughs> Including some that recently passed away, like Scott Hall, et cetera, Cause the but, Turner casting would throw them into rehabs and stuff, but still pay them. Um, yeah,
2: I agree with you, but will you also say, and I'm sure that you agree with this is that Marty's not there. He's got lots of issues, stuff that he's done early in his career, later after wrestling. But he's still got to be up there, you know, as one of the most influential professional wrestlers for modern style. And especially, even though they didn't go into it, he's mentored a lot of wrestlers, including the Young Bucks. Um, You know, so he's, and that's another thing. It's like I kind of wish they went into that type of shit. I really wish that they kind of showed that, but they didn't. Um, I, I I just feel like I hate the term Genetti because you gotta realize, like if we call people, uh, you know, um, Robert Gibson, if that was the concept. Robert and Ricky worked off each other, but I don't think Ricky learned a lot from Robert. And I'm not trying to like talk shit about Robert. He was the greatest hot tag in the industry. But like the not the star star like Sean was to Marty. But I feel like Marty really shapened one of the greatest wrestlers of all time and helped him get in tune for the nineties, you know, going forward. And people might not realize that he was that, you know, at that level, being able to move like he did, doing some of the stuff that he did to influence Sean, and then later, you know, influence and also help mold the young bucks. Even if Marty is a little bit of a piece of shit, unfortunately he should be credited at being one of the guys like a lady that goes under the radar to modern audiences as far as taking the industry to where it is athletically.
3: Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think it's, it's like so weird because wrestling is so different now, right? Like, um, I don't know. There was where where would you rank the Rockers during that time period in your top five? I guess that's the big question because you have the Road Warriors, the Steiners, Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express, the Rockers, uh, Samu and Fatu, the Head Shrinkers. Um, I mean, you have a lot of good actual tag teams during that time period. See, they wouldn't
2: get to a high high level on that. But as far as innovation, they would be much higher. I would say like ranked to like, you know, three to one. I just gotta think about that concept by itself. But compared to all the other big tag teams at the time period, I mean they were pretty much a ripoff from AWA of the Rock and Roll Express. They that's what they started off as, obviously, as a midnight or no, what was it? The uh, Midnight Rockers. So, what they were in WWE might not have been... I mean, they didn't even get the fucking belts, really. You know, Vince... <laughs> won wanted to
3: show and lost it the next night. His dynamite yeah. was too blown up.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. So, the whole thing... But, as far as innovation of how tag teams would perceive inside the ring, I think they're probably up there.
3: I would, I would say their moveset in general, um, yeah, definitely high up there.
4: They were so
2: in tandem. I'll I'll even say this, and I could be wrong. Maybe you have to watch more Rock and Roll Express. They were great, but I feel like the Rockers were in sync to the point, like every dropkick was exactly at the same time. Every fucking... Outside spear was exactly at the same time, and they even did that in 2004 when Marty came back and still had the same chemistry. It's it's
3: the it's the it's the thing about the Bucks though. Is it two in time? You know what I mean? Like is it's it's the, the difference yeah. between like the young Bucks versus like an FTR or the Briscoes. Is it two in time?
4: Where I everything
3: think- is set up is, is everything a setup spot? Cause a lot of things that people yell about with the young box is like, okay, they're going to their spot, but the rockers did the same shit. So like, even though Marty hadn't tagged with Sean forever, they had done that spot, you know, the, the over the top that they talk about specifically, they had done that spot like a bazillion times. And also it's Sean Michaels, So he's just yeah. going to nail that shit. It's like, if you ask Michael Jordan to play basketball, he's going to be pretty good at it. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like it's, you know, it, it's one of those questions of, like, did they just do the spot well, or did they have a good match?
2: The only way I can say this, and honestly, they probably worked on stuff constantly. I'm not saying that. Sometimes, and I think the Young Bucks are incredible, sometimes it comes off a little bit too sequence, not as snug. And when I go back to matches specifically with the Rockers, and especially seeing the highlights on that documentary, I feel like it's pretty impressive that it's that snug, especially like a fucking double suicide dive. They hit exactly at the same fucking time. That's hard to do. That that that's natural chemistry. And yes, obviously they had something. They went back to all right. Here comes the double drop kick, and that I mean the, the, that was literally ripping off the rock and roll express, you know, and here comes the <laughs> double super kick. Uh, but I feel like there was
0: just, it, it, it,
2: it, I don't know. Like, I love the young bucks. I really do. But sometimes it just looks just so sequenced. I don't know.
3: Well, cause they're a lot smaller than Sean or Marty.
4: So it doesn't, Were Sean laughing as much back then. No, not even close.
3: That's another thing. I mean, like, I'm not like, look, the the young bucks are bigger than me, probably. Right. Because I'm five, seven. So they're probably bigger than me. But, you know, Marty and Sean, they're like six, two, six, three, like almost 200 pounds. They're big guys doing that. They're doing the, the movement that you would like uh, kind of see. Now, I will say in comparison to like a Road Warriors match or a Steiner's match or like I'm trying to think of like the Head Shrinkers match. It was very they they were kind of the ones that led to what the Young Bucks became. And that's not a bad thing. I think it just depends on what kind of level of wrestling you like or even the Hardee's like the Hardys are
4: basically a rockers to some extent. So it's it, it's it's just kind of weird to think about in that
3: in, in that situation. Um, they would not be in my top three of tag teams during that time period, but their in ring work has influenced so many fucking people going forward. We get the great Kenny Omega matches, the great Will Ospreay matches, great uh, you know Golden Lovers versus the Bucks matches, like all of that stuff did eventually pay off but it was like almost too too soon for them
4: with what they were were doing in wrestling yeah absolutely um, because like you said I think the Hardys were definitely influenced by
2: the Rockers but a little bit of them more so maybe the Rock and Roll Express but at the same time the Young Bucks we're definitely a little bit hardys, a little bit Rocker's. So it just, there is that defined lineage of tag teams. I guess you can go back to the Grand Brothers, because they had like a similar look at least, but very different style, but like really go into it, like the Fantastics uh, to, you know, the Midnight, to the the, the Rock and Roll. And even if you were heel for those first two tags, no, no, I think I think the Midnight's the only one. You know, it's that same type of tag team. Really quick, really fast paced. Rock and roll goes to the Rockers, that goes to uh maybe Landstorm and Chris Jericho, I forgot what they were called, uh in Smoking Mountain, but you know, obviously the Hardy's took that place. Um, you know, we love the Motor City machine guns for the same type of concept. And the Young Bucks kind of had been that that newer version of a very similar style. But I think the Rockers are very important. I think Murray's very important, even though I think that he's kind of a shithead. And I really wish that some of the things that happened, you know, took a little bit more accountability. Didn't even blame it on God, regardless if I believe or not. And uh, didn't fuck up some situations that would have been pretty awesome, you know. It's just like uh, his second run in WWE, Chris, and I'll end it at this. You know, if him and Sean really started something up that night and Marty didn't get in trouble the next week, it's like how I feel about if Kurt Henning didn't get into a stupid wrestling match with Brock Lesnar on the plane ride from hell. And after he was in the last four between Kurt Angle Stone Cold and The Rock in the Ray, or not Triple H, I should say, for Royal Rumble, um, what we would have seen with Kurt Henning going forward. You know, it just, something like that. It just sucks that we didn't get like a good last run out of uh, Marty and everything that followed, uh, whether it be from him or whatever, I guess. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I
3: think that part really sucks because you could have gotten, because we never really got great Sean versus Marty matches. They gave them to us, but they weren't really built up. And the way that they could have done it with them coming back and, you know, Sean bringing Marty back into the fold, they were hitting on all cylinders. They were doing great. You could have set up a great, like, Marty versus Sean match. Um, so that part sucks. For sure. But yeah. yeah. It it's really hard to feel bad about Marty Janetti though because when you hear the stories about Marty
4: Janetti you're like well sorry bud <laughs> like Yeah unfortunately that's how it uh it really comes off but what are
3: you going to do I mean Sh- Sean was the same way to be fair and Absolutely. they do bring up the fact that Sean kissed a lot of ass to get that super kick spot. In fact, I think they actually say goes in ass at one point with Vince McMahon or uh the um Marty Gennetti's long term girlfriend. She doesn't say kiss ass, she says like kind of goes in or up ass with <laughs> Vince. Which I thought was very peculiar because they go into the rest of like, well, Sean was like negotiating in the back end and we're being very nice about it. She was not very nice about it. And that's been a rumor for a very, 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 very long time about how Sean got so over. Um, so take take that for what you will. I, I mean, I wasn't fucking there. I don't know what Vince likes and doesn't like sexually. <laughs> but uh, yeah. They definitely talked about it. They didn't, like, hard focus on it, but it was mentioned. <laughs> like, yeah, Vince was Sean's little friend, basically, or lover. I don't I don't know how to put it appropriately. How would you put this appropriately, Dane? Well, I would just
2: put it, um, remember that thing that Sean was pantomiming um, when he was part of DX?
3: Oh, he's like the blowjob? job. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Who knows? I love Sean, so whatever he had to do to be <laughs> our heartbreaking Sean, bitch.
3: Sean's gonna just, WWE for this his. Is, this <laughs> is all a joke from us, just. Uh, but
2: I mean, I'm just saying. Anyways, but um,
3: it is a joke, but at the same time, this is these are rumors that have been like even going back to Wrestling Observer in the 90s. These rumors that have been
0: floating around for forever. So,
3: look, if you're mad at us. Sorry. <laughs> like, this is shit that has been around for forever. And obviously, someone felt strongly enough to talk about it on Dark Side of the Ring. Even though it was not one of the wrestlers, because everyone's scared of Sean, so they're not actually going to say anything. Because um, God forbid Marty Gennady's, uh wrestling career get daggered by Sean Michaels at this point. The guy can't even fucking walk. Like, You know, just go come, like, come straight clean with the truth of whatever you feel about the person.
2: Yeah, no kidding.
3: If if your leg's hanging on by a thread, this would be the time to be like, fuck Shawn Michaels.
2: (laughs) Throw him under the bus. If you gotta... All right, well, let's go over some injuries, unfortunately, within the industry itself. Um, We have Sami Zayn, since Kevin Owens is out... um, Um, Injury, uh, a lot of people noted during his beatdown with J.D. McDonough, the the size of his elbow, which is actually something real and the reason why he's taken out of that main event. Uh, He has a bursa sac infection, so they have been working with draining that. Um, And Owens has obviously a broken rib, which is the reason why he's been out. So I'm hoping that they can get over this hump. Um, That's not so bad. And they can kind of like just keep on going without Sammy wrestling or Kevin. So they don't have to, you know, relinquish the titles because that would definitely, I'm assuming, bring some, you know, some, some bullshit within uh, the storyline itself. Uh, Roman had a, and no one knows, but it has been, you know, commented on that he had somewhat of an injury following his match with Jey Uso sustained very much at the beginning of the match. We also know that Sonya Deville is going to be out. She tore her ACL and won't be back for a while. So we don't know exactly what's going on with the tag titles with her and Chelsea green. Um, and I know that Chelsea green, uh, was on Instagram and put out an advertisement for a new tag partner and Mick Foley. Um, Addressed this and offered his help. So I, I don't know if Mick knows exactly how that works, but you know what, whatever, love Mick fully. Um, and uh, unfortunately also on a W side, we know that Ray Phoenix is definitely banged up and he's been trying to take some time off. We know about Jamie Hayter, obviously. I'm hoping she gets back soon. That Brian Danielson, who was supposed to have, at least from what everything's saying, a match at Wembley Stadium against Kenny Omega. Now that match has been changed completely. Um, but that was the original thing going in on it. And uh yeah, just um just unfortunate. Um it looks like actually we'll go over that next. I have I have the match that's at least from what Dave Meltzer said, um, you know, presumed with Kenny Omega for All-In. But before that, people are injured, Chris. I hope that the tag team champions can get through this without having to relinquish the titles. It seems, at least, from Roman last night on SmackDown, that even though he's injured, he can probably just coast. Unfortunately, with Sonya, uh, we know Ray Phoenix is messed up. I really hope to see Jamie Hayter soon. And it even sounds like right now that, you know, um there's some injuries over at AEW as well.
4: Hope everyone gets better, obviously. Jimmy Hitter is very much needed. Um Man, it's a really weird injury list. Because of what they're setting up for Wembley Stadium.
3: How do, you, how do you actually feel all this stuff is a shoot? The injury list? Or do
4: you think it's like uh, some interference type stuff? Some of it, unless Dave's lying, it should be true. <laughs> yeah. So unless Dave is lying. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm putting those quote-unquotes out there. Yeah, I I don't. I don't know, man. That's that's a weird one for me. I don't. I don't necessarily believe it's gonna go down like uh, Dave has it penciled in as. So, do you know the match that's described for all in involving Kenny Omega?
3: So it's supposed to be Kenny Omega versus whoever wins the G1, right? Because they had to backtrack on what was
4: going. So I'm assuming it's Will Ospreay again at Wembley. That is not what I've heard. Um, Oh, shit, I already deleted it.
3: Well, originally it was supposed to be, um, God, I can't think of the person that got injured. Jesus, why can't I think of the name? We just we just talked about it, but it, it makes oh, sense uh, to Pac,
2: or uh, not Brian Danielson.
3: Yeah, so Pac and Brian Danielson are both injured, so I thought they
4: were gonna hot shot that Osprey match. Damn the it. match. Now I gotta look up this stuff again. I right. oh, okay, All right. here it is. So apparently the match
2: itself is gonna be what Dave says. No, that's not it. Um, Omega, Adam Page, Kota Bushi against Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Kanoshke Takashka. Yes. And, and apparently it was supposed to be at two different times, Kenny versus Pac, but he got injured. And before that was supposed to be Kenny versus Brian Danielson for their, I think, rubber match. Um, but obviously Danielson's out for a little while, so.
3: Yeah, I think Will is going to win the tournament before they do this pay per view. So I assumed it was going to be Kenny versus Will. I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't
4: do that.
2: I don't know. I guess they're keeping. Uh... Here's the thing: everyone's going to realize all in and all out are a week away from each other, and we don't know any information about all out which is on the first weekend of September, Labor Day. Uh, before that, the week before, is this event in Wembley. So, uh,
3: what you're saying is when Triple H was like, you beat her in minor leagues, good job. You really yeah. mean it.
0: You yeah, know, I'm not trying to say that, but uh, yeah, kind
3: of. <laughs> You're you're kind of trying to say it. I mean, like book you know book the fucking matches. You want people to pay? They want people to pay sixty dollars for this thing. At least tell us who's gonna be wrestling.
2: So awkward, man. All right, well, uh,
3: because I thought they were gonna. I definitely thought they were gonna do. I thought, and I could be wrong, because I thought the G1 was gonna finish with. uh, And it may have already finished. I, I haven't looked it up this weekend. But I thought Osprey was going to be Okada, and then Osprey would come back and wrestle Omega. Omega would get his win back, and then you, your Wrestle Kingdom match would be Osprey versus Okada, which makes a lot of sense. Also, Gato makes a lot of sense, so I'm assuming it's something of that format with those three wrestlers.
2: You know, this is a good place to put it. I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but if we didn't, or I don't think I talked about this aspect of it with all the four members of the elite, as far as Adam page, the young bucks, Kenny Omega re-signing with AEW for a long period of time. We don't know exactly how much time it's a good thing. Um, You know, if we were to compare this, and I think you have to, even though people get mad. If you do any of those, you know, the tag team, of the Young Bucks, Hangman hey Adam Page, Kenny Omega were to go to WWE, the one I see doing the the best is Kenny Omega. He's got like that Sting, AJ Styles, Ric Flair quality of the guy that has never been to that company. Um, but I feel like there's a very easy chance because of their lack of luster within the tag division and also since they have a lot of people that someone if they did try to get a job there and i think they might still be able to Adam Page and the bucks might get lost a little bit in the shuffle so they have resigned and that that is great for AEW and i have to admit i don't remember where the fuck i was
3: going with this so uh, yeah i don't, I don't think- I don't think the Bucks would get lost in the shuffle. I'd be more worried about Kenny Omega because he's going to get shuffled into the main event picture. So they're not going to put him against Roman. He would be put against Seth. would, would, uh,
2: Would the Bucks be happy about the state of the tag division? The same reason FTR decided not to go back to WWE. Would they be like, yeah, I'm good on that aspect?
3: I mean, like if you're making six million dollars a year, it's kind of hard to argue that aspect, right? Well, I'm sure, they, they told, I'm sure when they told like Cody to lay down at WrestleMania, he was like, "Yeah, Bat Boss of making five million dollars,
2: dude." It's crazy that Cody went over there like he did, and now he's arguably the biggest babyface in the industry. It just Did he make the good decision? I think he did. And I think, honestly, the rest of the elite members, to me, made a really good decision themselves.
3: I mean, everyone's wanted to see the Bucks versus the Usos for a long time, so they would have done fine. The Usos have had the tag belts for like almost a full year at this point, right?
2: Well, KO and
3: Sammy beat them at
2: WrestleMania.
3: Oh, yeah, because of the fucking double title shit. Sorry. Forgot about
2: that. Well, actually, that that goes back into what we were talking about. So KO is out from a broken rib. Obviously, he can heal over that. It's been a couple weeks that he's been off television. But now we have Sammy that has to get his fucking elbow. Do you think that they're going to have to drop the, the tag
0: titles at all?
4: Yeah, I don't know. If you're injured for more than 60 days, the titles drop,
3: right? Or 30 days. If you can't defend the titles, the titles drop. I thought that's how it worked in wrestling throughout history. Uh, but apparently not the case. CM Punk, prime example. He's like, I never really lost my title. I was like, bro, you were gone for eight months. You definitely lost the title. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Alright, do you want to talk about
2: uh, <laughs> SummerSlam. You had a pretty damn good WWE pay-per-view, Chris.
3: It was long, but it was a really good WWE pay-per-view. They could shorten up some matches, but it was a good pay-per-view.
2: So I'm going to be honest with you, and this might have made it better than some people that kind of wane towards the end, and I completely get it. I actually said fuck it uh, after the women's match and realized the main event was going to happen and then watch it the next day because uh, I was exhausted. And even though they didn't have a lot of matches, it went on until midnight, and I'm in my late 30s. So I'll just blame that.
4: You' at least WWE is out here giving you the option
3: by putting it on on Saturday. <laughs> I'm like, hey,
2: No shit, man. Sunday is a terrible day. I know they kind of got probably fucked into it, but yeah, Saturday's way better. And I'm the crazy asshole, and Chris can, you know, I showed him the picture. I was watching Religion at the same time that I was watching SummerSlam. So, uh, hashtag dedicated. I mean, last night I did with Impact and Smackdown, but uh, I was pretty drunk off whiskey, so uh, yeah, I remember. it.
3: I also, at the same time, we were doing both of those. I said hashtag bad idea just watch SummerSlam.
2: <laughs> yes, uh, I'll agree with that. Hey, one thing that's cool, really quick before we go on this pay-per-view with Impact. Uh, they're about to have their 1,000th episode. Um, and uh, Team 3D is coming back for a match. So potentially that will lead to something. But Devon and uh, Bubba Ray. Bully Ray. Whatever the fuck. At the same time. Coming soon. So it's
3: 3D versus Motor City Machine Guns, I'm guessing?
2: I hope it's something good like that. You know? I mean, their champion is Alex Shelley. um, ex-division champion, no longer um, Chris Saban, because... uh, What's his name? Leo Rush beat him. But, yeah. That would be pretty cool if that was the case. But I hope... I just hope this is not a ploy for Bully Ray to become a bigger heel than he already was, I and mean, he just kills Devon. But they were talking about him busted open, and I was like, "Yeah, definitely gonna have to fucking watch that man."
3: Oh, it's interesting, dude. It's amazing to me that Alex Shelley is still the heavyweight champion. I thought that thing was going to be gone, like, the next week after he won
2: it. He's beating
3: everyone in
2: his path, man. It's really cool to see.
3: If you're an old-school fan, it's definitely cool to see. But, uh, I mean, you know, going back, unless beer money is going to show up, I'd want to see Motor City Machine Guns versus 3D as a teenager. Should we talk about the uh, two
2: agents added to WWE that I don't understand are agents, Chris? Okay. <laughs> Bobby Roode,
3: Nick Aldis. Bobby Roode's already under contract, so they just moved him to a different position to pay him the same amount of money. And WWE's about to do a bunch of layoffs because of the Endeavor merger, and I think, uh, was it Nick Con Had already talked about this with shuffling of positions and stuff. So
4: it's just this, this very job, sad. It's
3: Yeah, it's just very sad because Bobby Roode's a great fucking wrestler.
2: All right. Um, Aldis is 36. He's been looked over
0: by WWE,
2: and uh, it looks like he'll also be a backstage producer.
3: Nick Aldis, unless he just really needs the money, should tell them to go get fucked, honestly. After what they did to his wife, Mickey James... Mickey james aldous uh he should should be teabagging whatever the office is (laughs) unless unless they're offering him like a million dollars to train nerds uh he should be telling him to go get fucked and going to aew honestly because he could make similar money like once again that guy is like he's actually the perfect foil for someone like uh, age or mjf because you could you could have him be a cocky uh, heel, a cocky... Beat. He just has the look. He's good in the he's ring. Him and,
4: him and MJF
3: would have an old-school match. He
2: has know? that big Bockwinkle fucking poise to him, man.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a waste. Well, I don't want to say it's a waste of him being a trainer, but, like, he never was, like... He's not fucking Shawn Michaels. <laughs> you know, like... He's not a—he's not even like an Al Snow as far as like in ring work goes, uh, unless he's just gonna straight teach them psychology. Like the thing that makes him great is like how well he carries himself as a person, as a character. Uh, it would be the same thing with like MJF, right? Like all the stuff they do, Triple H could just teach those kids in class, or I mean, you got Shawn Michaels there. Where's Randy Orton? Randy Orton would do a better job than Nick Aldis at training this stalker around WWE style kind of class. But yeah, I don't know. It it sucks for Nick Aldis cuz I, I I when you say Nick Aldis, I always thought that he was eventually going to make it big cuz he he consistently got better since the time that he was on American Gladiators up until you know, he was a, a TNA champion and an NWA champion and had that great run. I always thought that, like, eventually, much like AJ Styles, he will make it to the big time. And now he's just going to be go be a trainer at a company that really kind of shit on his wife. And, uh, yeah, whatever. Do you, man? Maybe they paid him a lot of money. I don't know. I probably would have a lot. I would definitely have a different reaction <laughs> to to that scenario that he's getting signed up for.
2: Well, you know, I agree with you completely, but they did after treating her like shit while she was there, did have Nikki come back, you know, in the uh Women's Royal Rumble a couple of years ago as the champion of impact and they announced and everything, even though she went out Two seconds, so I
3: I was gonna say lost in like one minute, so all they did was like put over WWE and bury impact.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, you can,
2: yeah, I mean, that's pretty much true, but all I gotta say is about Nick is that he's young, he's great on the mic, he is probably, I mean, Chris can agree or disagree, probably the most prolific NWA champion. To date since Dan Severin of Relevancy. I know I know that it merged into impact for a while. So maybe I'm forgetting about Ken Shamrock, maybe AJ or whatever. But like I think of past champions, Nick's been that top guy over a lot of people. And if you want to say Cody, fine. But he beat Nick Allison all in and then lost it like six months later. On the nwa circuit so i don't
3: know I, I would say aldis as far as an nwa champion goes is probably
4: the most important because he kind of revitalized right. the brain
3: yeah. um
4: where if you go to like
3: easter championship wrestling like if you want to talk about important moments in like wrestling history like shane douglas is probably the actual biggest champ cuz he you know he stomped on the belt that starts ECW that that's a pretty big deal
2: um, I'm just talking about how obviously beforehand the NWA title was that title you know that was so highly prestiged as the working man's title um you know that Rick held that Harley Race and I, 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 like I said, I feel like, uh, you know, at one point, Dan Severin still held that type of concept, and then I don't really know or care what happened to it afterwards. I know TNA got a hold of it, uh, but Nick Aldis, as far as the modern NWA champion, no one has been on that type of level of uh, prestige or anything like that,
4: you know, I, I... I
2: and he even said, "I'm going to WWE, but uh, you know, uh, NWO is me money." So he's still pissed off at Billy Corgan.
3: So, like with Dan Severn, um, he carried that title into WWE, but he also had like eight billion other titles, so it's kind of hard to decipher <laughs> at the time. Three other UFC championships. Three. Uh, at- and they had the easiest thing in the entire world to do, which is like do a pain crease match between him and Ken Shamrock, and they never did it. And Anytime they had a match, they had them actually do wrestling moves, like Dan Severins out here trying to do a back body drop and shit. It looked awkward as fuck. Uh, you know, Nick Nick Ellis is super important because he made people care about NWA again with the Ten Pounds of Gold, um, and I would I would say. Cody is just as important to that storyline, so I I don't necessarily accept that like uh, Nick Aldis is just going to be a trainer. I feel like that has to come up in the storyline at some point in WWE because um, Nick Aldis is, but yeah, though you're you're sp- I think you're kind of spot on with those two because like Gunther was an NWA champion at one time. Colt Cabana was an NWA like. It depends on the NWA lineage once it's split into all those things until Billy Corgan bought the rights to it. gets really, really weird. Uh, if I if I had to pick my favorite, R-Truth, NWA champion. Ron Killings himself. Original TNA NWA champion.
2: No, hell yeah, man. And you're right. I mean, because here's... Here's the thing. The World Heavyweight Championship uh, is the same fucking title as the NWA Championship. Just obviously when Crockett, who, you know, had uh, Mid-Atlantic as their main title series out of the NWA, was the most prestigious in the NWA, with WWF being very different, owned by uh, Vince Sr. and Toots Mont obviously throughout the late 60s and 70s, and then you went to the AWA, which was held by uh, Vern Gagne, obviously, but when you came back to Crockett's, you know, the NWA championship, such an old, prestigious championship that would go to all the different places, was the the number one. Um,
0: but uh. Chris, what the fuck was I talking about? We
3: we're just talking about the lineage of the NWA title. You know who they could they could have kept the title on for forever and just maybe paid him more money.
4: Oh he, yeah, but,
3: uh, sorry, I just realized what the fuck I was trying I to. I was gonna, this. I was gonna say Eli Drake.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah,
2: yeah. Hey, they gave the tag titles to Eli Drake in the NWA uh, and one other person.
4: Chris, who is that person? Uh god. You compared him to him last week. I compared Eli Drake to who last week? I don't remember. Mr. You guys can't be listening to me. Mr.
3: Kurt Henning. Uh Mr. Axel Axel
2: No, Mr. Kennedy.
3: Oh, they were tag champions together. i see, I haven't paid attention yeah. to and,
2: uh they lost because of uh Kennedy, and then Kennedy went after him because he called him a uh basically a clone, and then they had a feud, and shortly after that eli Drake left uh n w a but yeah that stuff.
3: is just crazy because I'm not caught up on n w a at all, and I made that call out well, that was so like years ago. Wow. Yep. I,
1: when
3: I made when I made the call out of them being very sim uh, similar and, and like Vince liking that, I did not know that like Kennedy basically called out the like Drake as a bootleg Mr.
2: Kennedy after they won and lost the NWA tag team titles. That's a <laughs> part too. They had a feud even though I believe Kennedy is uh, someone's going to tell me I'm wrong about this. Well, from what I remember, Kennedy lost tag titles and then blamed Eli Drake for it. So great stuff because, yes, I mean, what, what, what I hate with with LA Knight is like, oh, he's just a ripoff of the attitude era.
3: I don't, I don't think so, and I,
4: I, me and you both
3: didn't feel that way when it was an impact. Why is
4: it that great. a bad thing? Uh, because like, a lot of the shit in the 90s was terrible. <laughs> Mostly what you get is like, he's kind of like The Rock. I was like, well, yeah, like you said, why is that a bad thing? Um, yeah, he's it, very
3: I mean, he's different. He has a catchphrase. He has his own catchphrase. But so was Mr. I mean, Mr. Kennedy had the same thing. And Vince was going to push him to the moon until he fucked up, you know, he fucked up his own spot. Um, Eli Drake. Yeah. And Eli Drake is like a way better wrestler than uh, (laughs) not to be mean to Mr. Kennedy. I think he's fine. I watched him have a steam Buda match against Eric Young on impact (laughs) where they just recreated the same exact match and it was great. So I'm not going to shit on Mr. Kennedy. But he's not Eli Drake Eli Drake is uh something special and I think both me and you saw that when he was in impact before they before the transition remember when he was doing the shh gimmick this is like four years ago like it was he wasn't allowed to talk like he lost his ability to talk for a while yeah his only impact would take away the ability for their best person on the mic. this would be like if AEW was like MJF you're not allowed to talk because <laughs> LOL, TNA. Um but he was so great at just selling his emotions and not being able to speak. I was like this guy's a he's a million bucks dude he's he's so great and then they put him in NXT and I was like the hell is he gonna do there? And he did really well there. He's just he's just naturally gonna get over. He's like Jeff Hardy He has a natural charisma. He is built better than Mr Kennedy As far as, like, in shape and moving and shit. I think Mr. Kennedy is probably, like, a better actual technical wrestler. But uh, Eli Drake looks like the guy. And it doesn't matter how old you are, dude. Jericho's, like, 175 years old. He's out here doing shit. (laughs) Like, Jorah McGregor's, like, 9,000 years old. And he's still running his Czech hockey team. So, (laughs) age doesn't matter. Age is a number, bro. Master Roshi. Am I right?
4: Be- beating up Absolutely. young Goku. <laughs> yeah, I think he's uh, phenomenal, and I'm enjoying what's happening
2: towards him. I love that uh, Dime Dallas Page, you know, has has recently from being on uh, Chris Von Vliet, uh sticking up for him. And saying, like, yeah, he's 48, but, like, you know, or no, no, he's 38, I should say. Shouldn't age him that much. But look at me when I finally made it. Like, he's fine. He's coasting. And I have to agree. I mean, we hear what happens when Sami Zayn comes out, when Jimmy Uso comes out, when Seth Rollins comes out, or uh, when Cody comes out probably would be the best example and i feel like they la Knight doesn't have storyline as in depth or or years consistent in wwe but i think he gets just the same level as fucking a a pop as any of the top baby faces in the company
0: chris
3: he has a, get, a great cut catchphrase and a great look. He's, he looks different than everybody else and he has a great catchphrase. And sometimes that's all it takes. Like, all right, let's be honest. The Rock was a great promo, right? Not the best in ring worker of all time. But sometimes if you have just like the charisma and the ability, the look, that's all it takes. Now, when they're talking about young stars and putting people over, it's like uh, the young stars they actually have involved and matched up. If you're talking about people that are under, eight, the, under the age of 35, it is literally just, just our boy from Atlanta, Georgia. Austin Theory is the only guy. Everybody else is over the age of like 30.
4: They're like actually over the age of me. They're like in the 35-ish range. Like, Absolutely. think about it. Like, think about,
3: like, think about Gunter. Think about Seamus. Think about Drew. Think about Roman. Think about the Usos. Like, all those guys are either older than me or about the same age. Or older than you and about the same age. For, it, the 40 is not a cutoff anymore. If you're good at what you do, like, why? I mean, Ric Flair wrestled until he was, like, 71. <laughs> so, if you're
4: good at what you do and you don't take too many bad bums, um, I mean, you can go on as long as you want. Yeah, absolutely. Just have to pick and choose,
2: but uh, no, I definitely agree with you. Edge
3: right. Ed has to, Ed has to be like 54, because I feel like he was like 25 when I was 15. So I feel like he's, he's got to be at least 10 years older than me.
4: How so old
3: the, he's 20, 40, he like okay so the big table letters and chairs match that they had the, the very first the tables letters and chairs on my was he's in
4: 2000 go ahead i said he's about to be 50 sorry
3: Okay, I was going to say, because in 2001, the tables and letters and chairs, oh my. That was the first big TLC match with the Dudleys, the Hardys. Like,
4: all those guys are, like, pushing 50. And, and like, you're mad about Eli Drake? <laughs> like... Also, how are some of those guys older than Jericho? If you really think about it. It's kind of weird. The math doesn't work, Dane. How old is Jericho?
3: Is Jericho, like, a he is a wizard. Jericho is actually 179 years old. We just didn't realize it.
2: All right, well, let's see how old this motherfucker is.
3: Jericho's 48, I think, right? Or he, I mean, we haven't checked this in a while. 52. Okay, so, yeah, so they're, like, two years younger than Jericho. Yep. So... You're telling me that Eli Drake at, like, what 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 was he, like, 38? Can't be a main event superstar?
4: Apparently not.
3: Even though, like, there's at least three people that are in main event storylines right now. <laughs> in both companies. Because Edge is in a storyline. Christian's in a storyline. Well, actually, I mean, if you count the Dudleys, I guess all of them are <laughs> continuously in storylines right now. So it's just kind of weird. Like, don't you know people's bodies are different? Like, you can change the way you work or whatever. But like, I think Eli Drake's going to be fine. Don't worry about his age. Worry about his booking. <laughs> that that's more of the concern.
2: No shit, man. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Uh, here's a question, and well. This is one of the main things I want to talk about on uh, our review on Monday Night Raw, but did he get exposed by The Miz a bit on Monday? Kind of fumbled his words, which happens, but, you know, I I feel like people uh, underestimate The Miz when it comes to being on mic. You know, The Miz kind of, like, said he was, like, an Attitude, era, cosplay, blah, 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 but it didn't seem like uh, Eli Drake, L.A. Knight, I should say, uh, came back the best. What do you think about that?
3: I think that they had very planned words, and The Miz is able to do Miz stuff. So he went a little bit off script, and it really fucked up. Yeah, boy, Eli Drake. So, because if Eli goes off script, it's a way bigger deal than like
4: if Miz goes off script because Miz has like two TV shows outside of wrestling. I feel like Eli Drake is always waiting for a punishment. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I personally, if there's a straight promo
3: battle, Eli Drake would murder the Miz. There's so much to work with, like as far as the Miz goes. Like, could you imagine if like MJF got a hold of the Miz? It's just straight promo battle. It would be like that, right? But he can't do that. He's limited in what he could say. Like, if they gave Kevin Owens the mic and was like, just run wild. It'd be like when they gave Samojo the mic, and they were like, "No way, no way, Jose! You're not allowed to talk anymore. You're scaring people." When he was talking about like killing Wendy and murdering Paul Heyman and shit, they're like, "You're too scary." I am pretty sure that's the only reason that they have, uh, like, the only reason he's not doing Sweet Tooth's voice is that Samojo is too scary,
2: too scary for children. Yeah.
3: I would agree with that.
4: Um, all right, let's talk about this fucking pay-per-view. What did that like? What
3: like? How did you feel about that though? Because I didn't get your answer. Did you? Did you just feel like that they gave Eli a set set of lines, and like to me it seemed like Miz had like bullet points and went kind of off spot. What his bullet points with, and and Eli Drake didn't want to step out of his lane. That's what it that's what it seemed like to me, because I've seen Eli Drake run people down in TNA, get a have murdered Miz. Miz is an easy target. He makes himself an easy target on purpose. Right.
2: I think this is the perfect person to put Eli Drake against because for so many reasons. Uh, Miz is really good on the mic. Uh, he's a douchebag. People dislike him very much. And I think he has just great sensibilities. He, he's not like, you know, he doesn't have like a ego. So he'll lose if, if he has to lose. And he doesn't injure wrestlers. He's pretty good about that. So when they stacked up in the ring, I feel like he had uh, maybe was told similar tactics to John Cena with dealing with Roman. Or dealing with whoever within the past and calling them out and I guess Austin Theory would be the the, the most modern example. But I uh, I think this was good. I mean, yeah, it made it made uh, L A Knight not look the best, but I I feel like this is a good opponent to get him to another level if that's what they're going for.
3: Yeah, I think that would be good promo battles. I I just feel like they cut the legs out of L.A. I'm like, I really do think they were like, Miz, here's your bullet points, go do what you want. And then they handed L.A. Knight like a script. So Miz had the upper hand. You know what I mean? Like as far as how WWE handles business? Because like the only thing L.A. Knight has to say is like, dude, you've lost your last 84 matches. (laughs) So it doesn't really matter what you have to say. (laughs) <laughs> that would have been the dagger right and I feel like LA Knight would have went there because I've I watched him in Impact so obviously whatever he was saying was like very scripted and he couldn't combat the Miz so that so that was a little annoying they they still yeah. have LA Knight on a leash for some reason which I, I don't understand because like he's they keep doing this like like Sami Zayn skyrocketing, right? They put him on a leash, they bring him back down. You're a tag champion now. LA Knight, biggest thing in their company. Put him on a leash, they drag him back down. They're like Cody is the guy. Which is fine. And Cody is really big right now. But is he actually bigger than Sami Zayn if Sami Zayn wins the title?
4: Is we'll he? Never know. Never. <laughs>
3: And that's that I'm not trying to take anything away from Cody. I think Cody has been great coming to WWE. I actually think his run in WWE was way better than his run in AEW. And he had some good matches in AEW, but his run in WWE right now has been phenomenal, especially the stuff we, he did with uh, Rome or Lesnar, which we're gonna talk about. But um, I feel like, you know, you put the belt on El Generico. <laughs> you, 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 I mean, you can push whoever you want it right now. Everything's pivoting off the Roman storyline, so it doesn't really... None, none of this other shit really matters. Paul Heyman's got... He's got his hooks into this company. I hope Triple H is sending Paul Heyman an additional check each week. Because, like, all of SmackDown was like, what's gonna happen? It was that and Bailey just,
4: like, being the most adorable person of all time. Yeah, SmackDown was good last night. But let's go into what built up the storylines this week
2: and go over the matches themselves. So, Chris, we had
0: a good opener. (laughs) Actually. Are, are
4: Are we doing Summer's line?
0: Yes.
2: Yeah, this, this is for SummerSlam. I feel, I feel like the opening matches just set a precedent for the rest of everything. And really, when it comes down to it, especially since I took time to sleep between the second-to-last match and the last match itself, I also think that uh, it worked out better for me because, yeah, it was I'm old.
3: Um, First I, match. I did... I- to be fair, I did not watch the pre show at all. So we were in the same boat <laughs> on this one. Because I it, think I texted you as soon as the first match started, <laughs> like the actual match, the, the eight o'clock pay per view match. So I think we're on the same boat on this one.
2: Yeah, we start with Logan Paul going against Ricochet. Uh, this match was awesome. Um, I mean, and it, it really didn't have to be. They went into a sequence that I found interesting since they kind of, well, I'll just say it's it's really hard to fucking land off a ladder onto the ropes to do a Spanish fly to two tables. And they both could have died from when they did it. But they did a sequence where essentially Logan Paul Spanish flied, uh uh Ricochet to the outside,
3: and they fucked then- it up. And it was Ricochet's fault. Ricochet like landed on his knee when they were coming over, and it looked all fucked up. It was terrible. Like there was a lot of spots in this match. Like when they started the match out, Ricochet did the big uh, thing that he did against Will Ospreay. And I don't know if they were supposed to do that uh, together, but I did like that. Like if they were not supposed to do that, Logan Paul just dumped out of the ring and walked away and grabbed like a prime energy drink (laughs) from like a child, I guess. But yeah, like, I don't know this, this match had a lot of like, this is, I think this is the reason they don't push ricochet as hard as they should is like, he tries to do too much. And in Lucia underground, you could cover it up. And I'm realizing this now because Lucia underground was recorded. So you could cover a lot of shit up with cuts and edits or whatever, but, uh, yeah, uh, they fucked a lot of shit up, and I can't blame this on, you know, Logan Paul, because he, you know, he's been wrestling for, like, what, four months?
2: <laughs> Not four months, but, yeah, I mean, the amount of <laughs> matches he's had within his career has been very small.
3: Yeah, if if you're fucking Prince Puma, who was, when we started this podcast, he was on my, he was like number three on my top ten wrestlers. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I expect more from Prince Puma. I expect more from Ricochet in this kind of match. They just tried to do way too goddamn much right off the rip. He was trying to do the Will Ospreay thing. And they, they, you know. Obviously, Logan Paul couldn't do it. I will say this for Logan Paul. He realized, like, oh, I fucked up the spot, and he, he bailed out of the ring immediately and took a powder, so good on him. Um, but there was a lot of fuck. The Spanish fly was super fucked up, and it was not Logan Paul's fault because he landed on his feet, and Ricochet is smaller than him, and Ricochet landed on his knees, so it looked fucking awkward. There was, like, a couple of spots like that. Their, their body sizes just don't work to do that shit I guess but uh I don't know Logan Paul was a great heel in this match did you did you see any obvious like because I saw like it got better the last five minutes of the match but there were so many fuck-ups before the I mean it was like botch city
2: I I gotta be honest with you I, I didn't see as many but I definitely saw a couple between the two um But I I, I just think this shows, Logan Paul's able to handle a lot. I mean, I know he's out for a boxing match coming up soon. But uh, I really, I mean, my biggest thing, and maybe it was because of this, we obviously know the announcer, Samantha Irvin, is Ricochet's fiance. And Logan Paul was basically insinuating, like, your girl's going to be calling my name out of her mouth, blah, blah, blah. Uh, beforehand and that happened and they really had a good reaction from Samantha Irvin uh, pretending to be very upset for the outcome. She did a great job selling it. Uh, But Ricochet and, you know, what was presented on Raw, I, I just, I feel like they see him in a certain light and it was definitely due to the fact that like he had no, you know, I don't know, aggression. Towards that concept or anything like that So um, This was definitely a match To show Logan Paul Off more and get him Get him to get a win Which I don't think he's had one uh, Yet so
3: well, He he won this match so That's why she wouldn't announce his name Right Yeah Yeah. So this is his first win But uh, yeah I, I agree with you Like they don't they don't give a shit about Ricochet. I'm sorry, Ricochet, but love you. But uh, I don't know. Maybe take those talents to AAA as Prince Puma. I think they own the rights to Prince Puma, so maybe. I've been saying this for years. He 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 just does not work in the WWE style. I don't think he's ever gonna work there. Like the closest we saw was when he was uh in NXT and he was wrestling um. Who is Trick Williams's partner, um, or, or boy? Carmelo Hayes. Yeah, that's the closest we've seen to like. He has a very specific style, and like, you should not expect like Logan Paul to be able to go in and like. Yeah, they did that crazy shit in Money in the Bank, which was just basically a fuck up. <laughs> you, know, you can't expect an entire ma- match of those kind of spots. Um. Yeah I don't know And especially with Logan Paul being taller Than Ricochet That really hurt some of the stuff they were trying to set up But You know whatever Ricochet uh, loses again And uh, the best thing about Like his girlfriend not doing commentary Is the really funny House show re-ripply videos Of her winking at The ring announcer Like I don't care about Cachet's ring announcer girlfriend, I'm sorry, I just don't unless like like Kane kidnaps her or something. I'm not gonna care like she just doesn't like logan paul i I don't care about that what what is the storyline of her um uh,
2: you know really not worth looking into, I would say, but uh let's let us let us go to the next match instead of uh. Worrying about Miss Smith Irvin.
4: Um. All right. So what do we have? Oh, Cody, Brock Lesnar. Uh. Wow. Lesnar put in fucking work, dude. I, I did not
3: expect that. It's like, what is this? Like a fifteen-minute match? Lesnar sold so much in this match. I did not expect it, and yeah, it, it was a, it, a good goddamn match too.
2: Yeah, Lesnar was awesome in it. I mean, Cody got fucking annihilated. (laughs) Uh, Don't get me wrong, but what a great baby face. What a great baby face. When, wait, there is one problem, though, Chris, that everyone has talked about. I understand as a referee, you can be pretty lenient, but I call out shit like this for AEW all the fucking time. How the hell does Cody just hit him with some stairs right in front of the referee? Was the referee supposed to be somewhere else or like this was a fucking singles match?
3: In WWE, the stairs count as part of the ring. So they don't they don't get called for a DQ for that. And that's been for forever in WWF. So that's not that that's not like that insane. Yeah, because we we have seen like title matches like where guys like got 10 count and the guys counting the 10 and, and like Triple H pedigrees them through a table. It's like, well, whatever happens out there stays out there. It's only when you grab a foreign object, uh, you know, if the if the objects are there in the barricade, it doesn't count <laughs> as a disqualification. That's how I've always looked at it. I don't know how other people look at it, but like, you know, we've seen tons of matches where like, you know. Dude hits a R, like Randy Orton hits a RKO, yeah, through a table, slides into the ring, or drags the other guy into the ring, hits another RKO, gets a pin, and it's like, well, you know, it was inside the limitations because the ref is not allowed to step outside of the ring. So he's like, "You guys don't do that. I can only count to ten to tell you not to do that. You guys don't do that." (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a big. Oh that road don't go down that road (laughs) It's basically The dude Pet pet cemetery when they get out
1: there
2: But what about the ending man uh, With And this is apparently completely unscripted Brock Coming over Giving Cody a very hefty Handshake bringing him in uh, Hugging him and then Putting him over Honestly, for like people that were all excited about John Cena coming out and just fucking raising his hand for no reason, I feel like this is way more a display of the shifting of the guard with Brock Lesnar doing this organically to Cody, Chris.
3: Yeah, it seemed like Lesnar is tired of people talking shit about him not putting anyone over, even though he's like, actually, he's lost more matches at SummerSlam than he's won. Um, throughout his career. And uh, it, I don't know, it was a great moment. It was really good. I thought Lesnar was done, though, because his contract is about up. But I guess uh, he's he's here at least until Rumble? Uh, the way he took his gloves off made it seem like he was like done, done. But I don't think he meant it. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: We need Lesnar and Gunther.
3: Also... Cody takes the best German suplexes of all time. It looks like he died every time he took a German. (laughs) Cody is so good. Um, The the lead up to the finish, like uh, you know, Brock gets Cody in the Kimura. Cody finally gets the ropes and they break away and they're you know they're they're grappling, moving around the ring, and Cody gets that that uh, middle rope cutter and he's like, that's not good enough and Lesnar as the big dummy uh big boss like a video game boss that you would fight stumbles to his feet and Cody hits the top rope cut the top rope cutter look amazing and then Cody putting him in the a camor- like dude such good shit such good shit and uh i am i am so surprised cuz it's not that Lesnar doesn't have good matches with people, but he put he put Cody the fuck over, dude. Like, like he sold so hard for Cody, and then the end handshake and the hug and all that shit they did. Like, that's not – that's why I thought Lesnar was like – I thought he was done. And they were like, oh, no, he re-signed. I was like, Really? But uh it was a it was a great moment for Cody and it leads into his uh he's probably gonna win win Rumble, maybe with uh Roman as the last guy. You know, and uh go on to, to challenge Roman because I feel like Roman is still gonna hold that title. at media. I do too. All right, we talked about the uh 25
2: man Slim Jim uh contest with LA Knight. Obviously, he won. <laughs> this was a fun battle royal, and, uh, well, I can I give it to Chris. Uh, he predicted the future, and they had a commercial that I hope is more than one commercials. Maybe it was just a one and done, but him and Bianca Bel- Belair uh, on a Slim Jim commercial, and obviously hearing LA Knight say, yeah, and with Macho Man going back and forth as well, which was awesome. Uh, Love that. Can we get those stupid-styled Nickelodeon-esque commercials please on air for God's sakes if I have to watch these fucking things?
4: Uh, I don't (laughs) know.
2: But uh, you said it, and it happened. So what do you know about the future?
3: Uh, I have nothing other than a prediction of, like, I assumed that LA Knight was going to win this because of how over he was, and it was a battle royal. And he also has a great catchphrase. And Slim Jim's like, we need new Great catchphrase. And uh yeah, I mean, it worked out for Macho Man. Maybe you'll win a title now. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we were joking about it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we were joking. Like, as soon as it happened, you're like, holy shit, he won. And you paused for a second. And then they immediately cut to the Slim Jim commercial with him. I was like, I yeah, know. <laughs> Did they film the Slim Jim commercial with every 20, like all the other the other 24 people that were in the battle royal? I I hate shit like that because it it immediately took me out of it. I thought they were just gonna do it on Raw because like he won and they immediately cut to the commercial of him like being the guy, kinda, which sucked. But outside of that, it was it was great. The crowd popped. LA Knight hit the people's elbow, which was buried earlier by the match in front of it and if i was la night i would have been super pissed because like uh, the match before this was the logan paul match and logan did like the leg drop right the hogan leg drop and then um or oh he did the he either did the can't see me or a leg drop and then um uh ricochet did the whole rock big Fenasco and bounced off the ropes, bounced off the other ropes, hopped over him, and then hit a moonsault. And if you're LA Knight and you're like, dog, <laughs> like not to beat the Jim Cornette of this, but I would have been super pissed at both of them if I was LA Knight. It's like this is my big moment, I'm about to win this battle royal. Yeah, I just really what? gonna shed my no. spot like that. Cause they I mean they kind of shed on the spot.
0: Yeah. I could
2: see that. Um, in general, with this tag or with this battle royal, I mean, it was a lot of just ridiculousness. It ended up with Sheamus and LA Knight. LA Knight won. It was only there for LA Knight. I know that a lot of people uh, are mad that they decided to postpone Trish and and uh, Becky, not have this on here, but. I don't know. I I, I feel like Becky and Trish are both legends. They will make people want to watch Raw this next week even more so because of their match. And really LA Knight has to be elevated to some extent. I mean, he's a very popular wrestler. He was on Raw and SmackDown, had a great fucking, you know, pop for both shows. So obviously they don't give a fuck about the draft for his ass. Um, I don't know. Keep on going.
3: I'm trying to be a dick, but I feel like LA Knight winning this uh, Battle Royal was more important than Triss versus Becky, which leads to nothing. There's no title implications other than they're having an argument with one another.
2: No, you know? I, I, I can definitely agree with you.
3: And and I'm not taking away anything from Becky or Trish because I think they're both fucking great. I love Trish Stratus. She used to hang upon my wall (laughs) as as a 10-year-old boy. (laughs) I love Trish. But at the same time, did it matter in the sense of a SummerSlam? It really did. It does just kind of seem like a Raw match because they didn't build it up enough, and that's more on them, and it's, it's good they pulled the ripcord on one match because this thing went to, tw- it went to 12. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know how AEW goes like 12-30, 12-45 before the press conference hits, and you're just like, oh, I'm so done. It's good they pulled the card on something. I mean, it sucks it's a Becky match and, and a Trish match or whatever, but It's not like they just gave us dog shit after. Like, all the other matches after, like, actually I think the matches after well, with the exception of the Ronda match, maybe. uh, Everything they gave us after was really, really good, so it's kind of hard to complain about.
2: Well, let's talk about that match because that's next. Shayna Baszler, Ronda Rousey. Uh, This was MMA rules that was only put into place before going into this, just announced actually for the fucking match. I really think that if they wanted to cater towards this match, I mean, you could have had like Ken Shamrock. um, I know uh, DC's already refed. I mean, like, just like a famous MMA-based referee. And what they had basically, I mean, I'm sure was much more put together because that's how they have to do it. It was a work shoot. These two have probably done that many times, just going back and forth, not trying to put as much effort. Um, I thought the ladies were very, I don't know if it took them to get wound up more, but uh, they were very soft with their punches. Everything else looked great. Um, And I ended up actually liking this match because later on, they were definitely going a little bit uh, stronger with their punches. Obviously, everyone saw Shaner, uh, Shaner, Shayna Baszler with two shiners on her face. Uh, so they got a little bit more rougher towards the end. But I kind of uh, I just think this sucks for Rhonda. And uh, this is it. And it seems everyone is very happy with her being done. And that's fine, but I don't know. I I thought Ronda did some good stuff with WWE. She was a big name outside of WWE. I really think that her involvement with that first, um, you know, big match uh, for headlining WrestleMania against Charlotte against Becky definitely was because she was a part of it. And I think she tried to put her friend over towards the end. It probably, I mean, it was the weakest match on the card, but I don't think any of the matches were that bad, including this. And uh, I don't know. I hope Shannon can take this and do something with it. But I don't know why they had her in a match a week later with her eyes swollen from this, but that's another thing. Chris.
3: So I didn't think this was the weakest match on the card per se. I mean, I didn't think it was the best match on the card or even close to the best match on the card, but it was just a very different match. My biggest problem is they did all these fake knockout spots and they were trying to do like a UFC type pancreas fight. If you knock someone out, they're done. So, like, the refs bring uh, Shayna back into the ring and, like, waking her up and, like, are you okay? Are you good to go? It's like, did you get a 10 count. <laughs> That's it. So, they have to choose what they want to do with these type of matches. I'm fine with it. I thought the wrestling was actually good. Um,
4: Shayna is just better than Ronda as a pro wrestler. It's just, it's just a thing.
3: How... Yeah, I mean, it didn't mean what anything. Because th- cause I, 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 about- like tore her knee up, though. I know she was, like, busted up, but I also heard she had, like, hurt her knee. So I feel like even though Rhonda put her over, she's actually still kind of fucked because she's injured outside of, like, the, uh, being domed up like what you were talking about with the bruised eyes.
2: Well, yeah. like she was still on RAW, but, like, Specifically, what do you think about Ronda Rousey, uh, if this is the last time,
4: well, the last time for a long time, her, you know, career in WWE? I mean, good riddance. (laughs) I mean, not to be a dick, but, like, is there a Ronda Rousey match that you like? Well... The WrestleMania oh. pay-per-view with the three of them. Uh, so you like that Charlotte and
3: Becky match, pretty good. Uh, I like the one where she wore the pink kimono and Saudi. Thought she was pretty good there. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. She, she, the tag team was a tough watch. I think it's really awesome that she tried to put her friend over who got her into wrestling to begin with, and it just sucks that is hurt. But also like. Rhonda coming in didn't matter for Shayna. You had like Shayna was the champion for like almost a year in NXT. You guys did a terrible job of putting her over to begin with when you moved her. You made her a vampire. (laughs) Like there is nothing that Rhonda can do because in the fans
4: eyes, you're like, oh, that vampire. (laughs) There's nothing you can do to save that. Especially
3: if you're going to go back on calculated dates and stuff like that. Like, like, we're going to go back on records. Oh, like that time that Shayna was a vampire. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: All right. Let's keep
3: Shayna on going. Baszler, Shayna Baszler in NXT was one of, if not my favorite wrestler at the time when she was like the champ. Because I thought she had one hell of a run. And when she came to the main roster, I was really excited about it. But they, they kind of fucked the pooch on it to set up this blessing that Rhonda bestowed upon her that took, like, two years. So, I mean, not to be a dick about it, but, like, oh, well, Ronda's here, so we don't really need you. It was actually, like, to me, <laughs> it was not beneficial for Shanna Paisler <laughs> as far as her movement up the card. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least you got the win.
0: Um, alright, so we have Gunther, Drew McIntyre. Test match. I mean, uh, they smack the shit out of each other? I mean, is that the best way to describe it? Uh, I knew it was gonna be like a fierce match because they already had a fucking match like this. Uh, I don't know what the hell this is for Drew. I know that Dave Meltzer was giving an analysis on what they could do with Cody, and since him and Drew at one time had you know some type of connection, maybe going down that route. I don't know what they want to do with Drew as far as maybe face or heel. Maybe heel would be a better direction. But um, this was a fun match itself. It was a very hard-hitting match. It was a winter match, and uh, Drew bludgeoned so.
4: Chris? Hey, sir, are you there? Hello, can you hear me? Blah blah, Halifax. Uh
3: all right so you sound a little bit like a robot but uh you're talking about the Drew McIntyre Sheamus match. Um uh, my only problem with this match is that they've done better matches in the past. It's like uh it's kind of like watching Okada versus uh Osprey we've seen it better in the past
4: kind of thing. Uh it was a good match. The crowd was into it. I kinda I kinda actually like uh I kinda actually or, or,
3: Sorry, I said Seamus because I was popping on uh Sunday. You you were talking about the Gunter uh Gunter uh Drew McIntyre match, right? Yeah. All right, so uh yeah, we, we we've seen the match before. It was a hard hitting match, it was fine. Is it's like one of those G1 matches where I've seen it. And they didn't really do anything more interesting. It was a really, really good match. And they beat the absolute fuck out of each other. So if you're into like strong style or British catch type shit, this this would be the match for you. But it, uh, it's a lot of the same kind of thing. Uh, the more interesting shit to me was Sheamus on SmackDown, honestly.
4: <laughs> that, that's, that's where I was getting with Sheamus. So within having the uh, return of Edge on SmackDown,
2: yeah, what did you think about that segment? Is Sheamus about to go full heel?
3: Is Sheamus the new Big Show? I feel like he switches uh, heel baby babyface every week. Um, if he goes full heel, I hope he I hope he actually is the one that ends like Edge's. In quotations in storyline edges ends Edge's career. You have to be specific with Seamus because
1: you
4: know, he almost did murder Daniel Bryan multiple times. Um Yeah, I don't I I don't know. what else what else is planned for Edge? I guess is the big question. No, I do. Christian. They're going to get him back. No. Obviously kidding, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. How about uh, Christian using uh, his daughter uh,
0: to get sympathy with people in a promo? And then when she asked for the uh, title, he said, You can't have titles that someone else won. Yeah. <laughs> and then
3: uh, told security to that it can't grow. Christian's a typical person. Really is. Yeah, like, who's the best hill? MJF or Christian? I would
4: say Christian because he's way more hateable than MJF. Definitely Christian. Yeah, because
3: there's nothing to like about Christian, even if you've watched him as an entire crease.
4: Like at least MJF is funny. Christian is just a dead shit bag. Yeah, I completely agree. I do love these stories of like when Christian first came into AEW, he would call
3: us and just tell us how bad we sucked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to, to get his to get his little gimmick over.
4: <laughs>
3: like, imagine if you're like Wardlow and at a, three in the morning you get a call from Christian's like. Hey, you fucking suck, bud. (laughs) Well, he's Canadian, so he has to say bud after, right? (laughs) He's like, hey, you fucking suck, bud. Exactly. You ever try an elliptical, you fucking wide-ass motherfucker
4: out here looking like a Canadian barn?
0: You really do that too well. All right. Next match for the WWE World Heavyweight championship. Seth Rollins and Balor. I was was wrong, Chris. I really think they could have still gone that direction. It wouldn't change shit, but whatever. But Seth Rollins won because of distractions caused by Damian Priest again. On accident, quote-unquote. Which is causing more problems for the
4: bloodline going forward. So, uh, yeah. There you go. Nailed this
3: prediction, by the way. If you guys listened to the prediction show before this show, nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Oh man, it's unfair to Finn
4: Balor. Could you imagine if Prince Devitt was actually in AEW? Would be pretty awesome. Like him as him as part of either the elite or the Golden Bullet Club
3: or whatever they're doing, it'd be great. Um, I'm excited to see his feud with Damian Priest because I think they'll have really good matches, but I don't know where it leads to, especially with. Uh, God, I can't think of his name on SmackDown. They brought him back. Uh, Bobby, they brought about they brought Bobby Lashley back. And he's not going to be going against uh, Roman, because Roman's tied up in the Bloodline storyline, so we're just kind of like, cast it away.
2: How do you feel about uh, Bobby, you know, taking on the Street Profits? Are we going to see, you know, MVP and almost? Like, is this some type of reiteration of their, you know, faction from beforehand, or
3: what? I don't know. You know what would be perfect if they wanted to do that to do it? Like Xavier Woods or Kofi Kingston. Because, like, the New Day is non-existent at this point with Big E out. It's a good time to split them up. Like, Xavier Woods is a hype man or something. Like, Like, I don't know. There's a lot of things they could do.
2: Should they keep Bianca off TV like they're doing? And then have her join up more heelish because her husband's a part of
3: the group. No.
4: No, I, I don't think so.
3: I mean, she's like she, but outside of Becky, she well, actually, even ahead of Becky, she's their top female babyface right now.
0: Good point. Am, am, am
3: I am I wrong on that? I mean, like Asuka's not really a babyface.
4: Charlotte's definitely a heel, even though she's not playing a heel. Like, uh, uh, they're definitely
3: pushing Bianca as a babyface, so that'd be really weird if they did that. I would have no problem with that. I think it would actually be really good for Bianca to get a change of character.
4: Um, but it's kind of weird in the title picture. That's very true. All right. So, yeah, Seth went over dollar we
2: definitely have some more problems relating to him in the judgment day along with Damian. Uh,
3: So uh, I wanted to ask you about this match specifically. Cause like, you know, like you have your Japanese five-star matches. I kind of like to separate them. Your Japanese five-star matches and your American five-star matches. This match was pretty fucking good. So if you had to give it an American star rating, out of five what would you give it
2: i'd probably give it a four man i really think that these guys i i really think that for both of them their best opponent it might be each other as far as in-ring chemistry um they've had quite a few matches i think all of them are really well like they're good but they're also not like predictable and I love AJ Styles, I love Seth Rollins, but he's had a very similar style match to the one he had previously with him, and a lot of the opponents that Seth's gone against, same thing for Finn Balor, but when those guys go in the ring, they have, I don't know, just really great chemistry, and they always have a good match,
4: so...
3: Yeah, so American rating, I'd get it a four and a half, which is uh, on the Dave Meltzer scale is a five and a half.
2: It should seven <laughs>
3: actually if you
2: vote for four.
3: Yeah, I, I, okay. Oh, we'll just go with a straight five. I thought it was a very good fucking match. I didn't expect any less, uh, anything less from those two guys. It was incredible. Uh, the finish kind of went how I predicted it would go. So that doesn't hurt the rating or anything. I think the work was incredible. <laughs> But uh, yeah man, so Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. That's what we're building to.
0: Pretty much. Which Wonder- should be
3: a really that should actually be a really, really good match. Truth Martini versus uh Prince Devitt. <laughs> Big ass dude versus uh I think that's gonna really show out how good Finn is,
4: honestly. So when should uh, Damien take that title away from Seth? <laughs> uh, never. It's not gonna happen. Because he has the
0: money in the bank.
4: So. Yeah, I mean,
0: lots of people have had it. Let I me mean, cash in and win,
3: though. Not everyone can be the Miz, Dane.
0: <laughs> oh shit. <laughs>
4: no,
3: no, no, I'm kidding. I'm like, uh, I don't know, I. If they did something interesting, it would be like he participated in the Royal Rumble, and then they had a title match after it, and he interferes in the title match and wins, even though he lost the Royal Rumble. Like that's kind of what I would do, but I don't think they want to go with him as the champ. Is the problem? So he's kind of in the uh, Baron Corbin, uh, God Otis spot of like I just need I'm just gonna have to lose this thing. Because, like, do you see Damien Priest as a champ right now?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you,
0: you see him as a champ, or no, you don't oh, see him no. as a champ? No, 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 I don't. I agree with you, actually. Okay.
3: Yeah, I mean, if they did a little bit more to build him and build the storyline with him and Finn, I mean, like, you can have a feud with him and Finn without the title involved. Uh not that I'm the biggest fan of this Seth Tyler Ryan, because if I hear him go <laughs> one more time, I'm gonna shove and punch him in the fucking throat. I swear to God.
0: Oh my god. I'm just kidding, that's I would never
4: do that to you, Seth. Friend.
3: I would never do that to you, Tyler Black. I love you so much. But
4: please stop. That's terrible. Tearing up your heart. When I'm with you. <laughs> Didn't expect the
2: comeback.
0: Alright.
2: <laughs> Next match. I think this might be my favorite match of the night, honestly. For the WWE Women's Championship, Bianca Belair, Oscar, Charlotte Flair, all three of these ladies. Perform on such a high level. And Seeing all the sequences that they did, but how much they naturally, organically got to all of them. There's a couple times in the middle where Charlotte tried to do basically like a move on two different people. I could have done without that specifically, but Chris, this really comes down to the spot where, you know... (laughs) Asuka is in the figure eight from Charlotte. And we have Bianca, who, amazing at selling, I really thought she got hurt, gets thrown before that to the outside, hurts her knee, is crying and screaming and wrathing in pain, and they came out to help her. And when I knew that it wasn't that serious is when Bianca herself was... Limping with them instead of them just getting her on something, take her out. But either way, Bianca, she pulls a Mick Foley at the Hell in the Cell, says "fuck this," gets in, goes to do a 6:30 or whatever the fuck it's called off the top ropes, and while Charlotte is in a figure eight in a back bend with Oscar, and nails it on her, and and really, I mean. The timing that Charlotte had to release that backbend so she possibly couldn't break her fucking neck. I mean, just amazing shit. Bianca ends up winning. Io Shirai comes out, cashes in, and wins the title from Bianca with Bailey helping, being the new Christian with Luchasaurus sort of shit with Bailey. But uh, how'd you like this match? How'd you like that spot? This was awesome, and also, still to this day, no one can fucking catch Charlotte when she does a damn moonsault to the outside.
3: <laughs> yeah, Jesus, they're, they're all smaller than her. She can't help it. She, uh, well, I mean, if you take away, was it Nyla, Ro, Nyla Rose, Nijax, Nijax, Nyla Rose? I was gonna say like there's like two people that can catch Charlotte. <laughs> Uh N- N- Nyla Rose just dropped her on her head, so I bet Nia Jax could catch her. You
4: think Nia Jax can catch Charlotte on a moonsault? Yeah. What do you think about that day? Yeah, yeah, she definitely I think she
3: definitely could. Um Yeah, Charlotte Flair was the fucking highlight of this match. She sold the entire thing like Ric Flair, and then she had like a goddamn comeback at the end of the match and finally locked in that figure eight perfectly in the corner. And I, dude, as someone who has taken bumps and and did a little bit of wrestling school, I cannot believe she gave her body up like that, cause like one slight like, you're in a back bend and someone is d- hitting a four fifty splash, if that girl goes just slightly a wall to the right, that's your head and arms, you're done. You have to lay that thing out flat. It was the most incredible thing. I think I popped harder for that than anything on the entire card. I think I hyped so hard about that bump. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure I flooded your inbox and I was like, holy shit, did you just see what Charlotte did? The entire match was great. That spot was specifically great. I don't like that they have changed the title so many times because it is setting up for the 16 title win for charlotte at mania they they made that obvious uh but it's it's kind of hard to hate charlotte flair because she is the ring general she kept that shit together um best yeah she is the best she really is and like look I know it's fun to hate on Charlotte Flair, whatever, like fucking you, you do a back bend and have someone take, a, do a four fifty splash on you. <laughs> Time that thing perfectly. Fuck out of here. Jade Cargill's not doing that, Dane. I'm just saying. Hell no. <laughs> like there is maybe like, I don't even know if AJ, AJ Styles wouldn't take that bop. He's like, that's dumb as fuck. <laughs> Probably. I just feel like that uh, Charlotte gets so much hate for no reason like look look I get you don't like her a lot of people didn't like Ric Flair but this doesn't mean you have to shit on her wrestling ability she was really great in that match she she ring general a lot of shit and she took like the craziest spot in the match even though it didn't look the craziest but if you're a huge mark like I am that was like easily the craziest bump in the match because like if she. <laughs> like one second off both her arms are broken and she she may have died like because she's in a full back dude there's no like she had to lay out of the back yeah like it was fucking i told you i was like that's the most insane i mean i saw kenny omega get dragon suplexed on his head and i was like Nah, (laughs) that was more insane. Actually, safer somehow, but more insane was that Charlotte Flair spot. I can't believe they did that. And and that's just how good Charlotte is. She does not get enough respect. Look, I know. I'm going to get a lot of hate at Chris R. Patton on the X or the Twitter or whatever. Get at me. Charlotte Flair is the best female wrestler in WWE. She always has been. She always will be. She's the best.
4: If you don't believe me, watch yourself. Watch her Period. Male or female. Watch her Watch
3: her psychology. Watch how she sets shit up. She is like Becky may technically be able to do more shit or Bailey could do fun stuff like et cetera. Charlotte. It's an unfair advantage because her dad's Ric Flair, but the psychology and the way she builds it up and that big ass like that's like the craziest bump I've seen all year uh, like I said outside of someone getting dumped on their head and that doesn't really count like Will Ospreay dumping Kenny Omega on his head should not count as a sick bump you know what I mean like well, uh, the
2: thing is I mean if you don't have Kenny getting all pissy with people about that I would agree with you but apparently that, that's what's supposed that, that was
0: supposed to happen Chris
3: that's what Naito and Kishida always say, because they're from that DDT school of, like, you just, we, we know how to take a bump on our neck, nerds. I was like,
1: yeah. I'm
3: okay, take a bump on your neck safely? You, like, like kind of train it, I guess. But at the same time, it's like, <laughs> well, why, though? You could easily just take it on your back or your shoulders. Like, It would... The the thing that people see is the snap, not where you land. I don't. That's like one of those Japanese things. It's just like fucking weird to me. Like I don't know. And Naito and Kushida are like notorious for because they drop each other on their fucking. They're like, oh, our necks are so strong, bro. (laughs) Like, nah, (laughs) they're not that (laughs) strong, dude. And I love, I love Japanese I love Kenny Omega, I love Naito I love Kushida. This is not me shitting on them, but like, maybe you just don't take that bum. Especially when people just like, they have an absolute legend who died in their ring <laughs> because of a severed spinal cord. Maybe don't get dropped on your neck.
2: Yeah. You would think the death of Masawa would have changed a lot of aspects and uh with that strong road style or whatever it's called that was in all Japan, but unfortunately did not.
3: At least, at least Kenny and will saved it for like the last spot. You know what I mean? It's like, we're going to do this one time. That'll be the last spot. Like, but if you watch Naito versus Kishida, those batches in the G1 and shit from previous years, like they just do that all the time. And it's like, that's not, I don't need to see that.
2: Him and Koshida or him
3: and Koda? Oh, Koto Bushi, sorry. I keep I keep saying Koshida cause because he's on my mind because you we were talking about how good that match was. Uh yeah, Kodo Bushi and Naito, they just drop each other on their fucking like those guys have a, comp- a competition to see who he dropped on their neck that, like that much. And uh both of them were injured for a full year. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe uh, I'm wrong, Kenny. Maybe that's how you fucked up your shoulder so bad. Had to go away for eight months.
2: Yeah, I I just didn't really like that concept because he told all the fans to fuck off at the end just because I get what he's saying. It's like it's all rumors and shit like that, but I don't know. Some of us are just worried about your longevity. That's really what it comes down to. And you could have taken a, a normal... Masawa fucking dragon suplex and not did it right on your fucking neck if that's what you planned to do.
3: Yeah, if the plan was you getting, like, the plan was not him getting dropped on his head. Obviously. Uh, But it happened, and then people had a reaction to it. But his reaction back to, like, you should be happy that people care that much about you to be like, please don't ever do that again. (laughs) Because that means you have fans. That means people actually care about you. It's so weird to be like, fuck you guys. You don't know shit about wrestling. It's like, no, but I know about how the human body works. Getting dropped on your neck is a bad thing. That'd be like in football. <laughs> Someone did like a charging headshot at you with a helmet. Helmet to helmet hit. <laughs> and then like the fans are like, are you okay? And you're like fuck y'all y'all know nothing about football <laughs> like it's just baffling like the the fact that people care that much about you you should be excited about you know and maybe build it in where you do one spot instead of like 15 spots like stone cold steve Austin is not taking that fucking. <laughs> i'm telling you right now <laughs> the rock is not taking that spot <laughs> getting dropped directly on his fucking head. He ain't taking that spot, dude. Hogan, never <laughs> taking that spot. How about Sean and Brett? Neither. Never. Never taking that spot. Even though they did crazy shit, they're never taking that spot though. Uh like if we're going all like if we're going new Japan, like or all Japan, like, could you imagine him like, all right, Baba. <laughs> I'm going to drag and suplex you on your head real quick. Good luck with that one. (laughs) This man almost killed Muhammad Ali with, like, kicks. Like, the fuck out of here. Stop trying to make it, like... I'm sorry, it upsets me that they tried to, like, make it, like... Oh, you guys don't know anything about anything. I was like, dude, we've been watching... Some of us have been watching wrestling as long as you've been wrestling. So, to... Especially with AEW, because it is a very much, like, mark, we are the wrestling, wrestling fans kind of promotion. For you to come out and say some shit like that, it's like, y'all fucked up. Just say you fucked up. And then please don't get dropped on your neck again. <laughs> that would be great. The only reason people criticize it is because they like both of you guys. They don't want either of you to get hurt, because they would enjoy to see more of your matches. They don't want to see you get, like, stone cold like fucking or draws or Masawa. Like no one wants to see you get dropped on your head to the point where your neck snaps basically.
4: Yeah. So
2: I have the thing pulled up. Do you want me to
3: share what he said specifically?
4: Oh, just, you can read it off, but like
3: he, I mean, I get what he was saying. It's like a show or whatever, but he got dropped straight on his fucking head. He was covering up for will which is fine, but he, he definitely got a job straight on his head, and I, I will say props on him for uh...
2: Alright, so basically he said, there are people who want to complain and put themselves on a pedestal by saying that we did some dangerous well, you think? So I've been asked, why would I do that? It made sense in the match and evoked emotion. And we both knew I would end up coming out of the move unscathed. Is there a risk? Sure. There's always a risk. Don't tell me not to wrestle the way I know how to wrestle. Is there a risk? Was there a risk when Mike Tyson was fighting within inches of a space between another championship boxer throwing power punches? Of course. But Tyson was a risk. Don't tell me not to wrestle the way I know how to wrestle. Uh, Sorry, uh, but Tyson was confident in his abilities, and he knew he was the best. So don't tell Mike Tyson how to box, and don't tell Tyson Smith, Kenny Omega, how to wrestle. You aren't even close to being qualified. Just shut the fuck up.
0: All right, so here's what Kenny Omega had to say to that specifically. There are people, and put themselves. Up. I say,
2: but well, it is dangerous. Well, you think? So I've been asked, why do it? It made sense in the match, in a vote of motion, and we both knew I would end up coming
0: out of the room unscathed. Is there a risk? Sure, there's always a risk. But don't tell me. The way I know how to wrestle.
2: Uh, is there a risk? Was there a risk when Mike Tyson was fighting within inches of space between another championship-level boxer throwing power punches? Of course. But Tyson was confident in his abilities, and he knew what was best. So don't tell Mike Tyson how to box, and don't tell Tyson Smith, a.k.a. Kenny Omega, how to wrestle. You aren't even close
3: to being qualified.
2: Just shut the fuck up, well, there you go,
3: Chris, uh, when other wrestlers telling tell you you did it wrong, I don't feel like you know as as a podcast, I don't feel like we need to talk about it, like other wrestlers are telling you there's danger dangerous other people that have been in the business way longer than you were telling there is no magical way to land directly on your fucking neck and head to make it okay. <laughs> <laughs> like if he can do that, the motherfucker is the David Blaine of wrestling. So, um, just just be like, yeah, shit went wrong, fell on my head, sucked. <laughs> like, I, I I I understand why he's trying to like no sell it As like this is just how we do it or whatever because he's trying to put over Will and that's fine. But Will Osprey dropped him straight on his fucking head, <laughs> you know, like. There isn't a in between on that. Am I wrong, Dane? Am I fucking crazy? Like, if this shit happened in the, if this shit happened in the NFL, right? If you were going out there, like, oh, I just always tackle this way, you would be suspended for like two years. You can't just go out there, drop people on their fucking heads. They don't, they don't allow that. So, I mean, Weird. like, I, I mean, I get Kenny like defending basically what he's doing is he, he's basically defending. Right. And I get I get that. He's like, don't give Will any heat. It's a bad spot. But he should just say that he's like, you know, he could he just come off better by being like it's a bad spot or even blame it on yourself. Like my legs were weak. You like find a way to do it, kayfabe, and he dropped me straight on my head. Like, so it makes like you didn't jump high enough or whatever. Or, like, find Not, a better way to do it to be like, fuck you, Marks. You guys don't know shit. It's like, Kenny, don't worry about that bitches Don't care about my body, <laughs> Just fuck off. Yeah, it's just so weird because, like, people worried about you. <laughs> This is such a weak like it's very different than when the 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 four horsemen broke in quotation dusty's knee <laughs> like see this is the shit don't that Jim Cornette when Jim Cornette bitch baby <laughs> so this is the shit that Jim Cornette gets mad about and 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 I don't always agree with Jim Cornette but like if you drop someone on their neck <laughs> uh they should be gone <laughs> for a while, right? Like, it's kind of that situation. And, like, I get it. It's different. Wrestling has moved on. It's it's a different era or whatever. But at the same time, like, you shouldn't berate your fans for being concerned about you. <laughs> That's fucking weird. Like, that to me is the weirdest thing is, like, you have, like, you know... A very subsection of audience, like twenty five thousand people, is like, did you really get hurt on that? Like, it's a very subsection of who would be watching because they pull like a hundred, you know, a hundred and five thousand pay per view buys. If there's like five thousand people, it's like, Kenny, are you okay? Because they're like really worried, and that's your mark audience. Like, why the fuck do you care? Just be like, yeah, I'm fine, dog.
0: There you go.
2: Hey, question. Did we ever go over the uh, the final match with Roman Reigns and
3: uh, Jay Uso? We have not. All right,
2: let's go into that. Um,
3: but it was a lot like the other Uso-Roman
4: matches we've seen.
2: We'll put out the words there.
3: Methodical.
2: Long. <laughs> um, Because I watched it, like I said, the day you know, the next day, uh, from when it aired, I think I was, like, actually more into it, but I can understand anyone that watched the thing from start to finish that was like, Jesus fucking Christ, this this match was almost an hour. Um, I mean, Jay and Roman beat the shit out of each other, they moved within a good chunk of the area that they were, basically, I mean, Solo got involved at one point, um, Because it was, the one thing I will say, I don't think they need to be on a fucking island by themselves or anything like that. But, you know, with this concept for the match, um, I wish that they kind of had just something to differentiate a tribal combat match from a hardcore match. Maybe just a setting that looks different.
4: Um,
2: I don't know. Something. But they didn't. It's fine. At the end, uh, we had the big reveal, which I didn't see coming. And his explanation on SmackDown also makes me really curious of what the fuck's going on. But Jimmy reveals himself and basically fucks over Jay to lose to Roman um, for the championship. And that was it. And like I said, with SmackDown last night, Jimmy was basically explaining that he didn't want Jay to become like their piece of shit cousin, you know, with Roman. And he was doing it for him and all this other shit. And at the end, when Jimmy left Jay by himself in the ring and kind of, you know, followed suit up it, uh, both Solo and Roman tried to attack Jay. Jay super kicked Solo, knocked him out. Uh, There was a super punch by Roman that was on Jay. Jay ended up getting back and not only giving him a super kick, but also spearing him. And then afterwards told Jimmy to come to him like he was going to hug him. And then gave him a fucking super kick in the face. There is a rumor that we're going to be getting at Survivor Series. A four-way match for the title between Jimmy, Jay, Solo, and Roman. And from what, you know, uh, Paul Heyman said at the press conference,
4: they are in the bottom of the third for the storyline, Chris. What do you think, sir? Chris, I can't hear you if you're talking right now hello